1: Welcome to brother date star tracks edition 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 63 edition I'm Matthew I'm Judah 63 Yeah big number 63 we're still in the guard numbers so you're still an offensive guard of some kind if you're uh number
2: 63 <clears throat> Yep I mean yeah yep it, look it'll be fun um by by the time we get to triple digits we'll be down to just three shows anyway so
1: Yeah no one no athletes are ever in triple digit numbers so I'll have to come up with something else. Something else to do.
2: Uh, Maybe in like a... Do they wear numbers in the Tour de France?
1: Oh, there are like a hell of those dudes, maybe. There's
2: so many of them.
1: Yeah, I don't know how many there are. Our parents would probably know. should ask them.
2: Uh, Yeah, if I wanted to talk about bicycling <laughs> for upwards of an hour, I would.
1: It's amazing. I don't know. This is it's not what we're supposed to It's a sport that's got be... some
2: real heroes and villains mostly villains (laughs) i know we're not supposed to do this
1: but it's amazing how many emails i get from our mother that include cycling portions and how i have never once replied to that portion and one day you might they just keep coming i don't know (laughs) all right so you know what we do you guys all know we've there's five of these shows we're doing we didn't we're not doing discovery yet and um uh, we just rate them week by week. Who who had the best and who had the worst episode by some very um interesting spur of the moment in Judah's head criteria from three <laughs> but years we, ago. Look,
2: we've stuck with it for a long time and there's it doesn't make sense to change now. Hey, uh in fifth place last week was uh Voyager. Yeah. This week we watched real life. Why well, you have to leave the oh. beef now chasing beaver ass with a clue.
1: Did you just feel like playing it? Uh,
2: well, first of all, it makes reference to Leave It to Beaver. Uh, and the first act of the show is Real sitcommy.
1: I got you. Okay.
2: And second of all, uh, Schmollis has a real moral panic about his fake son listening to Klingon music, (laughs) and it's pretty clear what that's an analogy for. Yeah, 1994 or whatever. Wait,
1: was it an analogy? Because then I think they're saying the Doctor's racist. We'll get into it.
2: Um, Uh, He's super racist, but that's fine.
1: I was just telling you off the air that I I don't even remember what Voyager's about until I read the description of it. But let's go the next episode. Uh, The Doctor made a hollow family. He invites Kess and Balana to dinner with them, and they're too sweet and perfect, and Belana gets on one in a big way about it, <laughs> and decides... Almost
2: like she has issues, but the show decides not to investigate <laughs> we that We don't do
1: anything with that, but she decides to show the Doctor what a real family is like shitty. So the next time he goes back, the wife has a career, which makes her busy, and the son wants to be a Klingon now, and the daughter's having some kind of meltdown.
2: He's a real hang on. <laughs>
1: The doctor wants a family meeting, or calls a family meeting, and lays down the law. But everyone thinks he sucks, especially his wife. Next time he goes back, he interrupts his kid and his Klingon friends preparing for some damn ceremony to become a warrior. He fights with his kid a bit, and then his daughter gets hurt at her Parisi Squares game. She straight dies, so, like, thanks, Balana. Oh, anyway, she's dying. The doctor ends the program and pretends that, um... He's finished the whole exercise and that it went really well.
2: Yeah, he's hiding from it.
1: The doc has a freak out on Tom Paris when he's back on board from a dangerous mission I'll talk about later. TP tells him he should go back and face the pain or whatever. You know, like he did with his dad.
2: Um, (laughs) Like he's famous for. Yeah, famous for just facing the music.
1: Uh, He does and... um, Actually, we
2: don't really know. We know nothing about his backstory we know that Nicola Carno is not famous for facing the music. <laughs>
1: hey, what are you talking about? But as for
2: He sacrificed Eugene, for the team just like he said he Alexander would Alexander Coriolis, we don't know. Yeah, that's true.
1: Um, anyway, the Doctor does go back and uh, has like a goodbye with his daughter and the family's there and they all embrace. And maybe he'll get something out of it, but we'll never know. Um, Voyager, meanwhile, uh, has gone to meet some aliens on, uh, on a space station. The Vosta the L- guy... I-
2: legitimately if you said there's a b plot but it doesn't matter i would probably not even press you to explain it it
1: seriously it's, has nothing to do with the a plot in any way it's a real news radio situation except for that tp tie-in right except for tp yeah, going on the dangerous the, mission and then the yeah, doctor, freaking for the out.
2: doctor uh, who nominally is doing this to get a better bedside manner yeah yells at him about what he's putting his poor parents through right. because he's just had this traumatic thing with his fake daughter and then he gets the good, good advice from Tom Paris.
1: Anyway, like, they, they go
2: legitimately, to... Legitimately, Bellana could have just come in with like a plasma burn and he could have given the same speech. We don't need any of this horse shit. Yeah, she could
1: have been on the holodeck doing some rappelling or something,
2: you know? Tom could have gotten injured playing Parisi's square. <laughs> That's right, he could
1: have changed only the person. <laughs> Yeah, they went to meet some aliens, the aliens got blowed up, it was an anomaly that did it. They went to explore the anomaly because, why not? It's not dangerous or anything, right? And then anyway, it sucks up TP when he goes to fly into it with a shuttle, and then they, they get him back, though. It's not a big deal. It's got nothing to do with anything. Um, What was this episode about? I'm assuming A-plot.
2: I mean, yeah, there's, the B-plot's not about anything. Except the thing that we constantly scream at Voyager about every week stop doing this quit stopping to explore everything just cut it out like they they go after this fucking anomaly because because it's got plasma
1: oh yeah they're mining again but this time it's and not if they could get some
2: plasma <laughs> then they can go off replicator rations for a minute and it's like
1: they just saw they just found all the debris from that space station yeah it's clearly dangerous and they're like yeah but but the plasma though <laughs>
2: Also, like when that first wake hit them, there's like, oh, there's like minor buckling on deck three. That's hey, not a big deal. No amount of buckling. You can't go <laughs> to space. a star base. In space, don't no let... amount of buckling is
1: minor, really. Quit
2: chasing the buckling wave.
1: Yeah. No, then. So,
2: yeah, the B plot is the only the only possible take, which I know that they have not learned and will not learn, is knock it off. Start <laughs> acting like you're actually trying to get home. That's
1: right. You don't even have to really want to get home, but you have to act like it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, obviously this is a show about family and the what the doctor learns in this one is that family is not just an extension of your will. Uh-huh. It's made up of actual individuals and that's its strength. Trouble with this as a take is what narcissistic monster thinks like,
1: Yeah, Who's who on is the other this side? news
2: to? Only the doctor, a huge egoist. And also not a real person. Ooh!
1: You're staking well, out I some mean,
2: territory. He has personhood, but he was very badly programmed. He was extreme he was
1: poorly programmed, much like data, which we will talk about in a different episode.
2: So <clears throat> I I don't think anything that they're saying about family is bad or wrong in this episode. I just think it's a real underwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's like just watch the sitcoms that they're parodying.
1: Yeah, you don't, need, you don't need sci-fi or Voyager for this, for sure. Right. I mean, that's specifically, like, there there ain't no families on Voyager unless you count that one baby.
2: Yeah, the only thing this sci-fi stuff lets you do is lets him experience two different dumb versions of his family yes. and also lose his daughter in the course of one show.
1: Yes, without any stakes, because who gives a shit? She ain't real.
2: Right. So, I'm afraid I was not able to score it highly. Uh, I gave it three points. Um,
1: yeah, TP said it for me. You you gotta, like, suffer through the bad times so that you you can really learn and enjoy the good ones. You know? Or whatever he said. Uh, The doc doesn't want to face the hard parts of his family life he's made up out of thin air. But um, then how could he truly experience the joys of having a family? Pretty straight down the line stuff. Again, no need for sci-fi on this other than the narrative device of being able to end the program when you want and then restart it when you want, or whatever. So we kind of had two different parts of this very fake uh, hollow family experience. Um, I had it as a five. I could have seen a four. Because it's mostly nothing. It's just like a straight down the line. Who cares?
2: Yeah, and Ben is, uh, he is on your... Same wavelength where he says that the take is something like you can't value something that doesn't have risk or sacrifice attached to it. Yeah. This is like you have to at least you have to at least be open to the bad parts of this experience, I guess. Uh, he thought that was worth about a three. And for execution, he thinks it's all badly undercut by the fact that the family is imaginary. Sure. It's real hack. Especially when his daughter gets injured and tells him she can't see and she can't feel her legs, and she asks him, "Am I going to die?" Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like they go
1: to the hologram, the holodeck, just to kill people sometimes. Like then,
2: yeah, exactly. Don't, don't none of this matter. <laughs> then he asks, "Why does the doctor, who let's remember, does not actually have feelings, need any closure about his fake family?" Um. <clears throat> I, it's not clear to me that the doctor doesn't have f- have feelings. I mean, he certainly acts like he has most of the feelings See, in the world. It
1: seems like he's taking out the same territory you did a few minutes ago about how he's not really a person.
2: No? Yeah, I just forget why I said that. <laughs> That's okay. It's not oh, a big deal. I be, like, because... Because... Of, only, a, only a, a real person could not possibly imagine this dumb family scenario that he's imagined. Right. Maybe Maybe that guy who has 19 kids in Alabama or whatever, Arkansas.
1: Wait, is there only the one
2: guy who has 19 kids? You know, the famous one, oh. 19 kids and counting. Oh, yeah, no, I don't, yeah, sure. He probably lives this leave leave it to beaver shit.
1: Somebody Marjan works with has, like, a shit ton of kids. Maybe I shouldn't identify them.
2: Like... Yeah, I probably should. Like,
1: 15 or something. Oh, that's a lot of kids, I just identi- son. I think I just identified them. I think that's that's a, that's information that people will be able to identify them with. That
2: might be PII. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> um, yeah, he says the B-plot doesn't do anything. He's a 2 on execution. You gave it a 5 for premise. Did you how to do
1: um well it did about voyager levels of goodness the usual voyager effort i think was given um i'm not sure tp's right about what he says though i mean it seems like the doctor was having a very nice time and getting lots of joy out of this little family story without all the bad times will it make him more appreciative of the good times to come to 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 come after all this nonsense and will he get closer with his family or will he just remember his dead fucking daughter as he slowly becomes a depressed weirdo
2: that's real life too, Tom. And it's a real good question. And also A, he's only been doing this for a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, he ain't exactly like a well adjusted adult person.
2: Right. Uh, so it's kind of a lot to throw at him right away. And but B, also, like, don't you wouldn't a reasonable person say, Hey, like you can't run from everything. But I I get it. This isn't real. Why do this?
1: Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> why pretend like you've got a dying daughter?
2: B- Belana went in and did some programming and 2 days later your daughter's lying dying in a hospital bed. Maybe, you know, maybe her version of family is no more accurate than yours. Yeah. We could take a look. Like wouldn't you wouldn't if a friend was going through this weird scenario, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I don't think you need to play that one out.
1: Yeah. I mean, not only that, I'm just saying, like, even in real life, um, that's a really idealistic view that everyone always learns something out of a tragedy. And in reality, <laughs> like, a lot of time you just, uh, your life is ruined and then maybe you jump off a bridge or something. Like, what? anyway, it don't matter. We'll never see any of these people again. It doesn't make any difference.
2: And, and um, People aren't um, aren't that great at learning lessons either. Right, we, must we learn
1: <laughs> in a more and more public way all the time. No one's, no one's very good at it. Uh, and this B-plot. I mean, really. What are we doing? What's happening out here in space?
2: It's a two for me. It was a two for you. It was a two for Ben. Um, Oh, man. Uh, It makes sense to me. It made sense to me that Shmolas would put together Leave it to Beaver. Right. As his own version of this. And I while I think it is interesting potentially that he ends up playing all of Bolana's weird feelings about her family and like, there's a bunch of human and Klingon worlds colliding in this that no one at any point goes, well, that's because Bolana programmed it and she's real conflicted about her own upbringing. But like, well, they just, they just didn't do it. They just didn't say anything about it. It was just like, uh, once, once she pre- reprogrammed his holodeck, she would dipped from the story. She was like, nah,
1: yep. see ya. Yeah, and not only that, like... How come... No, even if we didn't explore her part of it, how come no one ever goes... Man, Palana's got some stuff. Let's fix this. Let's do a different program. Yeah. Like, this program doesn't have anything to do with, with
2: most people. <laughs> or like... Uh, when he's at that dinner and Belana and Cass are both like you know this isn't a very realistic family and Balana's like i'm going to make some changes why doesn't schmaltz go how about let's do Cass first
1: <laughs> that's right let's just take a look and see what she's got under the hood before we yeah we'll move to her thing eventually
2: she's got some shit too but like
1: yeah he's going to have some Ocampa shit in in his in his family but she's
2: never been split into two persons mm. that represent her different the different races that are at war in her past mm. uh, so let's start with her that's true i might have to go through the eulogium again or whatever but like let's deal with that
1: you know you were talking about how believable it was that he did this thing with this uh leave it to beaver family i think the most believable part was not that he did it but that he kept bragging about it about oh, how yeah. good he was doing at family oh yeah that he was the best at family and he was the best you'd ever see at family that's the part that was the most believable
2: Mm-hmm. No, it's, uh, you know, I got a gold trophy in the latest Animal Crossing Pocket <laughs> Camp Fishing Tournament. I saw you I, put that
1: all over social media, man.
2: I'm pretty good at fishing, mm-hmm. is my theory. Uh, I think it really sucks that they could not get past uh, all of the weird rap music and gang violence in the suburbs panics of the 90s, and they just put it in unremarked upon in this episode. Like, Yeah, in the 24th century. Like, when you see how they talk about this, they're like, "Oh, see, the first half is like a sitcom from the 50s, and the second half is like a sitcom from the 90s where everyone's disrespectful to Dad. Everyone's
1: and real. And it's like,
2: wait, but, but what about all of the weird shit you also put in there that you just apparently didn't even think about? Like, for real, his son is gonna stab someone in a gang initiation. <laughs> even Family Matters would have been like, Edward would know nah. better. Edward
1: would never have done Edward that.
2: Edward would know better than that. <laughs> He'll get beat up trying to defend Rachel's place from the dragons.
1: That's right. He will get involved with them a little bit, but uh, but like initially, uh, Carl will be like Edward, how could you? I'm I'm not even raise you this way, and find out at the end of the episode that Edward had actually tried to help the situation. He'd be like, Dad, how come you didn't trust me? That's what would have happened. That's a good episode. Let's do that one. That was good. That was good.
2: Uh, here's am also mm. like when his when his kids like. Uh, it's just Klingon culture. He doesn't have an answer to it at all. He can't. He can't say like cultural sensitivity ends when uh, you're going to harm someone. Yeah, like he just has no answer for. Like the show is just they just throw all of that stuff in there completely uninvestigated, not thought about in it any way. It's it's not great. Yeah, it seems like
1: the show, <clears throat> like most television shows, was written by like a 45 year old white dude with his with his own issues.
2: Yeah. Yeah, always oh, listening to that Klingon music now. Can you believe, can you get him to turn down that noise? Yep. Um, <laughs> I, d- I couldn't decide whether having Tom Paris tell him not to run away from his family is good because Tom Paris wishes his relationship with his family was better. Or bad, or bad, because he was obviously <laughs> ignoring that. <laughs> because it doesn't make... It's like, they didn't give us... There's not enough of... To, like, Tom... They they never give Tom Paris any motivation in that scene.
1: Yeah, even if he He's, had, like, said it real obvious out loud, like, I wish... You know, there were times where I ran away, and I, I wish I hadn't, or whatever. At least that would be something.
2: It would at least explain what's going on in that scene, as opposed to just, oh, Tom Paris is the guy who happens to be in sick bay at the time that this message needs to get across. <laughs> yep. Also, by the um, way, Tom
1: Paris learns nothing about his reckless behavior. Oh, yeah. Just in sure. case
2: anyone was worried about that
1: part. Just like Voyager oh, yeah. hasn't learned, he did not learn.
2: Oh, he did got real cool. He got to go to a new part of the universe that nobody knew existed and fucking ride a wave out like a cool surfer, dude, <laughs> yep. so.
1: And they saved that shuttle. I was tracking that.
2: And they, did, they saved the shuttle, but only by beaming it into the, into the shuttle bay. Yeah. And it's like, I kind of don't like that they can do that. It's come up before. It's not the first time in the show that someone has beamed an entire shuttle yeah. into the shuttle bay. But then, like, do, do they also turn the engines off in the transporter beam? Oh, good. Because yeah. it seems like it could be, or just a real problem.
1: Yeah, we beamed into the shuttle bay. We forgot one part. Um,
2: so there's this big anyway, hole. We got. it's care mostly of. in. Now most most of it's in deck six, and some of it's in deck five. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um. Oh, but one thing made me angry, for sure, which is this B-plot is a big waste of everybody's time. Yeah. Yeah, I I docked at least,
1: like, three points just for that.
2: Yeah, Voyager has to get some plasma because they need energy, but they never explain what makes this plasma special at all, so I don't understand why they couldn't just go sit near any star (laughs) if they're just going to collect some plasma.
1: Yeah, they got those collectors. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Uh, they show us a new realm in the interfold between space and subspace. That doesn't mean anything or teach anybody anything about the universe. And this just is just a worse version of In Theory. Yep. <laughs> so, like you and Ben, I'm a two. It's
1: tough when you're a worse version of In Theory. That's not. <laughs> that's that's not, not a, a great not episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, what about world building? You you, you touched on it a little bit in the uh, execution, but. Um...
2: Ion mallets, yeah, Klingon music.
1: You need those ion mallets for the Parisi squares,
2: <laughs> astral eddies, uh, women warriors at the river of blood.
1: Ooh, a little a fuck book,
2: a Klingon fuck book.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and uh, we still, uh, as always, we still have no idea what Parisi squares is.
1: Just that it's so fucking insanely dangerous. It kind of predates the whole football panic. But, like, it's I mean, way this, more. It seems like it has way more immediate danger. Like, whoops, I did yeah. something and I died.
2: Well, this girl just fell and hit her head on the corner of something. So. Maybe
1: that happens a lot because everyone's always talking about how like it, sp- it is. I don't feel like it was
2: a specific Parisi Squares injury. But, like, the one time we saw everybody getting down for that Parisi Squares tournament, yeah. they were not wearing helmets.
1: No, well, you remember Jean Luc's going to go play, and uh, Riker is fucking pissed. His kid? Oh, sorry. Barash. When Barash is (laughs) going to go play.
2: When Barash is going to go play Parisi's Squares in a holodeck?
1: Yeah, he's got like the same issues. Something about that game is like wildly dangerous. And maybe it is that they don't have protective gear. Maybe they need to step that up. Where's fucking Space TR to fucking work on this shit?
2: And just put a fucking... Like if it's just she banged her head on the corner of something, just put a fucking leather helmet on her. It'll distribute the (laughs) pressure somewhat. Come on, guys.
1: 24th century ain't great, huh?
2: It, do, it gives the doctor the opportunity to say the most hack thing that uh, all doctors in all science fiction always say, which is, you know, the brain is still largely a mystery. <laughs> hey, dog, there's no one's asking about how memories work yeah. or what feelings are. Right. She's got a bleed in her brain. That's not a mystery. It's bleeding. He's like, your he brain is bleeding.
1: He's like, uh, I'm going to pass on your question. I'm going to answer a question about the soul. Is that OK? <laughs> We just I? don't really know.
2: I, maybe, uh, maybe doctors. We'll have to keep an eye out on Star Trek doctors and see if they're like football coaches. And they're just answering <laughs> the right. question they've prepped.
1: <laughs> they gotta tackle in space. No matter what you ask them, that's the answer. They gotta, yeah. do, they gotta do better tackling in space. Look, <laughs> I, like, I don't doubt it, Coach. I understand that your team cannot tackle in space, but that's not what I asked.
2: Anyway, uh, I only gave it one point. I mean, we learned nothing in this show. Honestly, the thing I liked best was uh, Warrior Women at the River of Blood.
1: Yeah, that's a a fun bit of world building.
2: Yeah, give me something about Klingon culture.
1: I also wrote that it was a Klingon fuck book, but actually I couldn't tell. Maybe a racist human wrote it. I don't know for sure. Did she say who the author was?
2: I don't remember either her or Tom Paris in the bad... This is, by the way, a bad flirting scene. Oh,
1: so bad, it's awful.
2: I don't remember either her or Tom Paris saying who wrote it, if it was, like, by Kuvok or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Tuvok's Klingon brother. Tuvok's Klingon brother. (laughs) Uh, um, There's some good Klingon names in this episode, but we'll get to those.
1: uh, Let's see. Uh, Ben gave it a one on world building as well um he likes that they actually create something new for the young boy and the holodic family to listen to that annoys everyone it's awful and discordant but usually they don't put much thought into it when they create a new but mostly just melodious music type yeah like that bajoran composer who just did the yeah, ds9 theme just did the
2: ds9 theme mostly like, come on yeah, bro and then uh, i thought I oh the say-
1: ds9 theme is based on bajoran music that makes i sense. will say
2: this i have never seen this show this episode of this Voyager, Mm -hmm. and I knew that that was Klingon music right away. Yeah. So whoever wrote the music for this listened to the four bars of that Klingon opera. From the Gambit or whatever. From Gambit, yeah. (laughs) So I was like, uh, right away, I was like, let he listen to that Klingon music up in there? (laughs) And sure enough.
1: Yeah, dude, Klingon music sounds like uh, the sewers where the dog eats the dog from Lame is Rob. We all know. We've heard it.
2: Oh, God, it does. You're right. That's exactly what it is. God damn it.
1: Yeah. Um, and he says that he approves B'Elanna's changes to the family for realism, but maybe it's too real. He had to force himself not to turn off the TV. Is he having family issues? Is that <laughs> I what's don't happening? Know
2: if he's having family issues. It seems it's like it hit real close to awkward. home.
1: <laughs> like, I hated it. I always have to force myself to watch Voyager, but.
2: He's got a little two years old baby girl that <laughs> likes to play Parisi's <laughs> Squares. And his kid is uh, really getting into Klingon stuff way too much.
1: like gang violence or whatever.
2: He's in a violence gang.
1: (laughs) I had it as a two, I could see a one. Uh, This hologram replicated some coffee from Paxor 5 or something. Um, What is this mishmash of the 1950s nuclear family and the 24th century? Like, have we swung back around to that or is the doctor just dumb as hell?
2: Uh I I will tell you what it what it was to me, what I said as soon as I saw it. Uh hey, is that the set from dinosaurs? <laughs> Do they live in that modern home in dinosaurs? I mean I felt no, their home is not so modern because I think dinosaurs is Roseanne, right?
1: Oh yeah, that's right.
2: Uh but like the outside and there's a lot of windows in this modern home. Did, there was
1: so much light looked coming like in, a, there were times... like a
2: weird megaflora flora.
1: Oh yeah, there was jungle. a ton of fucking greenery out there, but there was so much light pouring in that there were times where his family was like squinting while during the family meeting. <laughs> they had way too many windows in that place. Like, put up some fucking drapes, bro.
2: Like, at some point, that's. I mean, it's just gonna raise your air conditioning bill. <laughs> I'd be afraid I, I was gonna
1: get a sunburn on that fucker. Um. Anyway... Do a lot of Earth teens in the twenty fourth century have a pair of Klingon buddies? Or I mean, you have to
2: have to, you'd have to have Klingon neighbors, which I I don't think there are too many worlds where Klingons and humans both live. That's it not... doesn't seem like that's a common scenario.
1: That's what I'm saying. This uh, the, there must have been a Balana make up for some reason. I mean,
2: they run into each other enough that uh, we have both Balana Torres and the much more interesting, probably because she's only in two episodes, character of Kalar.
1: Right. You're right, they would have ruined her for sure if she'd been around more.
2: Uh,
1: this time they're mining inside a crazy space anomaly for special plasma. Uh, there's a mallet in Parisi squares. Did this kid say the whole meeting is a Vulky idea? Is that a thing? He
2: did say a Vulky idea, yeah. A Vulky vo- a idea? Okay, uh-huh.
1: They communicate with TP when he's inside that thing, inside that part of space on a theta band. Listen, frequency. it's just
2: because it's just because the word cuck hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he means. He just didn't have the words to express it. Uh, dagger of Cutlatch.
1: Yeah, I got a, I got it as a two, but I, because so much of it happened in a fake world and I don't know how much of it is real. it's I could definitely see a one. If that shit's real, it's a two. If people say Valky, that's a two. Is that fair?
2: Well, I know B'Elanna thinks they say
1: it. <laughs> She's She knows what the slang is like. She knows what the kids are talking about. Uh, characterization. What's Belana doing with her hair? What's, that, what's oh, yeah. that braid in the front?
2: She has some braid on the left side in the front that she's got tied up with, like... Uh, Three quarters of an inch wide, colored felt. It, it's uh, it's an odd look.
1: Was that a '90s thing, or is that another Balana make them up?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I not, again, I don't know if this is like the first episode of a new hairstyle, like Cass was a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Yeah, she kept her. And hair. Now we've just got uh, sexy Cass hair, or or if this is <laughs> if this was just in this episode, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Um, and I guess you can't. I hope it gets more and more uh, rasta just as we go just more
1: more fucking big fucking thick braids yep so by the end she looks like haha ha. um <laughs> and i guess she just can't deal with anybody having a good time so if she fucks up the doctor's dumb program or i guess she hates her family and it made her sad that he could have a nice time with his i don't know
2: i don't know why she couldn't just sit through that dinner and then laugh about it for a year with Cass oh, afterwards yeah
1: right or just tell everyone in the crew about it like
2: this fucking guy Hey, you gotta wrangle a dinner invitation and see this guy's weird masturbatory fantasy. It
1: won't be hard. He's super proud of himself. I know that's a shock.
2: <laughs> He's, once he starts to get a reputation as a good host, man, Ed, the invitations are gonna be flying. Everyone's gonna have to meet Charlene. Uh,
1: she reads Tawdry Klingon fuckbooks. Um, Doc's calling himself Kenneth now.
2: Yeah, his name is Kenneth in this world. It's weird that they that they just haven't uh, given him a name. But I every time I hear a new name for this guy, I'm like, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, this guy, his guy's name is Kenneth. He's a real Kenneth. That's exactly right.
1: Uh, Doc is extremely confident that he can handle any family bullshit. Let's take that shitbag down a peg. That's what this episode was.
2: <laughs> yep.
1: The doctor's a racist who says his kids can't hang out with Klingons fuck bro but he is also deeply moved by his disaster of a family meeting and i wonder if maybe they shouldn't do like a hard reset on him just yeah
2: it's about time like i know his shit just got wiped out when uh, didn't didn't all his shit get wiped out like at in the end towards the end of season two and he kind of had to start over
1: oh yeah he like he lost some shit for sure. When he got
2: that he got that weird virus or whatever. They
1: were, they were doing everything they could to save his personality, but then in the end right. they're like, nah, you can't.
2: <laughs> what are you gonna do?
1: But don't worry, we won't talk about it ever again. It'll be like it never happened.
2: Yeah, but it is. It is probably time to just reformat.
1: Uh, I guess this family was real to him. I guess this girl will always be Jean-Luc to him.
2: <laughs> I just said my name was Barrage.
1: <laughs> yeah, I... I, I'm not really interested in that.
2: Listen, kid, I'm not. I got not a specific thing
1: that I got going on right now. And you're Jean Luke now, and that's
2: that. Riker's fucking still mad at Tomahawk, even though he was never there. <laughs> that's right.
1: Um, Janeway has already completely forgotten the space station that was destroyed, likely with all hands, and the risks <laughs> to her ship, and just smiles like an insano and says, Let's do some science. Let's study this wildly powerful phenomenon up close and shit. Yeah. Just as close as we can get would be
2: fantastic. Is there any way you can fly into it? I want to go inside it. Could we be in it?
1: I could look at the plasma all over the hull. That's how you do it.
2: It turned that uh, space station into four very small pieces of debris, so is there any way we could just be inside (laughs) it? That's right.
1: Uh, Let's see. Mm, TP is tired of Neelix's cooking. And he's very nosy. Just walks up behind B'Elanna and starts looking at her pad and making a lot of judgments
2: about it. Well, he's horny for her and also an idiot. And then he's like, let me read your
1: weird Klingon porno so I can do nasty sex stuff with you. Also, I want to make your heart quicken, which sounds
2: gross and off. It does. And also... Ugh. Yeah. Is her heart dead? <laughs> right because quicken means to become alive that's
1: what i was saying i was like "Mm."
2: yeah it's weird i don't know if
1: that's what you shouldn't have said that don't say that one uh tells kenneth that there's nothing going on here so just take the afternoon off but like what about the dangerous space mission with tp and the spatial anomaly (laughs) like what that's what's going on right now.
2: Yeah, Tom Paris is not gonna show up here in a minute badly plasma burned. I mean, it's
1: happening right now. The mission's happening. He's in. He's like lost in space. Like, we, you should probably stick around. You should be on duty. But now nah, Cass gives him the fucking afternoon off, which I guess she has the power to do. Um, I can give them as many as four points for trying to round out the doctor, but it it was not a success.
2: Uh Ben's a three. Yeah. I mean he he doesn't have a lot to say. Uh B'lana has a braid now. I guess that's her personality. The doctor has way too much personality. How is uh <laughs> delusion O'Brien different from normal O'Brien? <laughs> I think that's fair. That I'm pretty sure is a note from another episode. I
1: think that's but. the best question about Voyager so far.
2: <laughs> um and I so you're a four, he's a three, uh, I'm a two. Um Schmollis authoritarian? Heteronormative yep. and racist
1: Absolutely, he's got the trifecta
2: uh, Bolana Definitely damaged goods mm-hmm. And Paris has some thoughts about family But apparently incapable of articulating them
1: That's not a surprise
2: uh, Janeway puts everyone in terrible danger To collect some plasma
1: Yeah, It's special plasma
2: that, They never even assert that it's special <laughs> It's just available
1: That's what makes it so special it's just out there they don't have to go to a trading post or anything you know
2: no one comes off good in this episode who comes off good Mm. just kes for giving him the afternoon off. yeah
1: she's a real good boss kes is like one of those cool
2: bosses neelix for sarcastically giving tom paris a huge helping of that bad casserole there
1: it is there mvp of the episode neelix yeah for putting tp in his place
2: We'll cut to it, but I did give him best actor.
1: Nice, alright, good.
2: By process of elimination.
1: it's like, well, he was in at the least, he wins.
2: Uh, yeah, no one comes off good in this one. I give it two points for characterization. Fair. Totally fair. Uh, but I'm sure you have some, some quick ones. Yeah, as usual, just as I was watching them, I wrote this down, so... Uh, I can't tell you how excited I am to watch Smallest play on the holodeck. <laughs> What's up with Bolana's hair? Yep. Kenneth. Yep. I'm not afraid to say it, says Chicote. I've never seen anything like that before.
1: <laughs> well he's a real coward, so he, you know, this is a big step for him.
2: What no one has Chicote <laughs> That fucking, its a weird whirlpool that emerged out of subspace and destroyed a space station.
1: Oh, I thought you were
2: talking about the I'm part not where afraid he's to say not it. Afraid I've never seen it. anything like that before.
1: He's got some. <laughs> yeah, why would real you be afraid to say it? Deep seated fears about looking like an idiot or something. And t- he's going to be real strong today. Oh, I'm not afraid to say it.
2: That's his motivating characteristic in this episode? <laughs> hey, listen. I've been pretending to know a lot of stuff and I'm done. That's right. I can't keep up with all the lies. <laughs>
1: It's a new me, it's a new day here on Voyager I don't know what that is Not afraid to say it
2: I know Neelix is new To western cuisine But I'm pretty sure it's not a casserole If you make it in a wok
1: <laughs> This is to be the only dish that he has
2: This is just like how Cisco doesn't know what a souffle is The only like, Or how, how he was going to make a souffle in there Without an oven
1: Oh yeah Yeah the only uh, pot we've ever seen Neelix use is that wok That's all he's got Yeah why don't they get one of those? Why don't they find a new pot? They're so That's worried about fucking question. plasma and minerals and shit.
2: Uh Shmolus didn't like Larg and Kakoth as soon as he saw them. <clears throat> he is definitely a racist. For sure. No one at any point is going to point out that this little scenario is entirely based on Bolana's experiences. Okay, I get that Don Paris convinced you you have to go back, Shmolus. But do you have to tell the 10-year-old she's going to die?
1: Yeah, I mean, especially because this isn't real at all. and I mean, it's not going to matter to anybody. You can say whatever you want.
2: And then I got a question for you. Okay, good. Did Do you think Janeway even told the Vasta guy about their space station? She
1: does not appear to even have noticed it. I'm not kidding. She doesn't remark upon it at all after they tell her that they found a bunch of debris where the space station is. She's just like, wow, let's follow that anomaly thing. What did you say? There was a trace of some kind of anomaly. Let's look at that.
2: So the guy are going to assume Voyager wasted that station, right?
1: <laughs> Yet another fucking species they've made enemies with.
2: They're going to be like, huh? Oh, that's weird. Uh, they were going to have a meeting with the starship Voyager. And uh, now there's just debris floating in space and also no sign of Voyager. Yeah, Voyager
1: just fucking dicked off. So uh, I guess they fucking blew up our space station like real fucking aggressive dicks.
2: And then there's one more thing I hated about this episode. And I... This is the episode where Klingons are finally black.
1: <laughs> you were waiting. You're like... They've been hinting at it for a while, but...
2: They have dark makeup on in TOS, but they're not black, right? Like, no, there's supposed they're to be not the Russians stand-ins. or whatever. Right, they're stand-ins for Cold War enemies, maybe with a slightly Asian slant.
1: Yeah, right. That's right. They do fuck with their... They put a lot of eye makeup and eyebrow stuff going on that they're, they're, they're going for a look.
2: But, like, uh, they're not supposed to be black. And then in TNG, they start to get played a lot by black actors, but also mainly just Michael Dorn. Like, Gowron's not black, right?
1: Yeah, I think they went, like, uh, um Kern should be a black guy, because Worf's a black guy or but something. But they're doing
2: s- some weird parody version of Samurai Honor or something, right? Yes. Like... Uh, but in this one with uh, I don't want you listening to that Klingon music and then here comes your, your friends are going to you're going to join a violence gang. It's like, oh, this is it. This is the one where the writers for this show have finally forgotten what the Klingons are. And they just remember that they wear dark colored makeup. Yeah. And they're just like, well, the Klingons are black in this universe, right? 100%. And I'm mad about that. You should be. It's very, it's very bad what they did. I gave Best Actor to Lunch Lady Neelix and Worst Actor to Larg. Larg is very bad. Larg was a particularly bad actor. And uh, and what about you? What about your quick hitters? I'll
1: start with Worst Actor candidate, Ether Klingon. Yeah. I didn't know which was worse. They were both very bad. Uh, like you, in real time. Oh, fuck. The Doctor, the holodeck, and learning some fucking lessons. This is going to be rough. Why does this holo Kid need a hairpiece? Why'd he make them like that, though? What cryptic command did he give to the computer to make that happen? Was he like, computer, I want my kid to be... um, Trumpian. Is that (laughs) something that survives into the future? This kid's hair is wild.
2: I don't know, man. Everything old is new again.
1: Uh, The name Larg? Still better than the name Blarg. I I mean, a little bit. (laughs) But not imaginative. Uh, To be fair, Neelix's casserole looks like it is diarrhea and would cause diarrhea. <laughs> when he was plopping it onto that plate.
2: I mean, listen, this is not this is not the week where we do therapy. But I looked at that and I thought oh, it looks like hamburger helper.
1: <laughs> did you get sick of hamburger helper growing up? We yeah, We ate a
2: little. We ate a little bit of hamburger helper. We did a little bit. It's true.
1: Um. Once again, we could clearly hear TP's message over the comms, but Janeway kept saying it was too distorted. TP's <laughs> yeah, <TV's> weird, huh? <laughs>
2: <laughs> she gotta get. She gotta go to the bus and hear the tones and raise her hand. <laughs> I think there's something wrong with her ears. Every
1: single fucking week, this happens where someone's communicating and you can clearly hear with like a tiny amount of interference. What is and being said? And then Jim was
2: like, uh, you're breaking
1: can up! Cle- can you
2: clean that up? You're breaking up, Tom. I could only <laughs> hear 99% of what you said.
1: <laughs> it would be very easy to infer the rest, but I, you know, don't worry about it. It's, uh, we're going to clean this up.
2: Whereas now, every, every time I get on a, teleconference and someone sounds like a straight up uh robot from the future uh-huh. i still mostly don't say "Ah, oh, you're breaking up there
1: yeah it has to be very bad there's always like n- fucking 17 awkward seconds where it's super garbled before somebody comes on and goes actually you're breaking up because they don't want to be the person to say that and then it becomes clear again and then they just look like idiots yep because that happens too where you're like oh you're breaking up and then the next thing you say is totally clear and you go "Ah, oh, never mind Uh, what the doctor said about how he's finished with his family and that it was cool and he learned a lot and he'll definitely invite people over the next time he has one. That's what I tell people who try to hang out with me outside of work. Yeah. uh, I don't got a family no more. It was great. I had a good time. My family's gone though. I think they died. And, uh, you know, but next time though, for sure, next time I got a family, you're going to be the first one to get an invite.
2: Ah, no, I just go sleep in a coffin until tomorrow. It's, (laughs) I don't do nothing outside of work.
1: There's not even any place to sit. It's, uh, don't worry about it. Well, I'll, I'll see it worked out for sure.
2: It's kind of a one-man coffin, so
1: you can't like sit on the edge. Don't think it's gonna tip over. Oh I'm, I'm turning into I'm turning into Tom Paris. <laughs> uh, I like the vampires with the big jugs. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it for me, and that's it for Voyager. We're done with Voyager, right? That was the season finale, series finale, the series finale. I mean, yeah, series like finale? Doctor Benzel- learns a and- all- awesome?
2: Ben's only quick hitter was that no matter how hack it was, he still didn't enjoy watching that little girl die.
1: Sure, but again, this one yeah. hit close to home for him. So,
2: yeah, that's right. Well, his wife Charlene is a a real bitch. <laughs> She's so really on one I since you got it. a job. I get it. Oh, hey, from um from one great great show to another, in fourth place last week was Enterprise. This week we watched Chosen Realm. Yeah.
1: I've always found the lyrics pretty lazy in that. I don't like the <laughs> way Good follows heart with heart like that, where he's like, strength of the heart, go, my heart will take me. I don't know. Uh-huh. I always just hear that, and I just go, meh. That's not it.
2: Uh, weirdly, at this point, I kind of miss the old version.
1: Brian Adams, that ain't it. Try again. Yeah. yeah. Or whoever it was supposed to be. Go for it.
2: I mean, it is a definitely, it's it's like, some, it definitely is like someone listened to All for One, <laughs> All for Love. <laughs> all for Love. Shit. Uh, and they but they kind of they kind of mix up Brian Adams and Rod Stewart and they kind of just sort of squish them together. Yep. They they know who stink. Sting is different, he's his own he's thing. not part of this. Yes. But Brian Adams and Rod Stewart kind of squish together. They actually,
1: the one. idea they they gave to the fucking guy in charge, they're like, Yeah, we're gonna do like a real fucking all for love thing. You remember that, right? You remember the Three Musketeers? We're gonna do like an all for love thing. And then the guy's like, I oh, like Sting, he's like, No, 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 not Sting.
2: No, no, not, not the not part. We're not gonna parts. do
1: Sting Part. We're gonna do the other part. Whoever the other guys are, that's the part we're gonna do.
2: Matt Enterprise has found a third sphere in the abyss.
1: Jesus, is it really only three? I know she calculated that like a hundred, but I guess they've only visited two.
2: Yeah, and I said I said abyss, but I meant expanse. But yeah, this is the that's third fun. one. Okay, then to find three of the damn things, uh, but. Uh, the shuttle that's been exploring it is spotted leaving the cloaking barrier by some uh, new aliens, the leader of whom is v- given off real spader vibes.
1: <laughs> yep, He's a real poor, poor man Spader-y. spader, for sure.
2: Um, and they're, they have a sinister interest. Uh, they send out a fake distress signal. Enterprise responds. Uh, goes and risks their life to save these people. Apparently their ship is actually damaged. I don't know. Whatever.
1: I think that ship just sucks.
2: And they bring all these these uh, these old boys on board. I forget how many of them there are forty, something like that. Yeah. Uh, these guys won't let Phlox scan them because of religious stuff. So you know he just bandages them up. And Archer meets their prenom, uh, Djamat.
1: <laughs> I know you prenom is en- a
2: title and Djamat is a name. There.
1: I know you always enjoy the uh, insane titles that people hand out in in Star yeah. Trek.
2: Well, this I, the, this one, the, the universal translator doesn't get its hands all over it, right? Unless the universal translator really fucked the dog, and then the whoever did the subtitles did a bad job, and that's supposed to be the French word for first name, prénom.
1: <laughs> uh, we couldn't we couldn't tell. Like, I think it's just his his name's first his,
2: name. This uh, guy's first name is D, is De-Jimatt. First name Digimon. Anyway, he he was just saying you can call me by my first name. But anyway, he's their religious leader. <laughs> yep. So these old boys were on a pilgrimage to the twelfth sphere. From their home world of Trianon, uh they worship the spheres and they worship their makers, and they worship the anomalies Aww. and getting all effed up in an anomaly is a like a religious experience like a having a prophecy or something, sure, so these guys got some scars and stuff, whatever anyway uh their bodies are bombs, and they're taking over the ship, sure. Yep, <laughs> I mean, there's really nothing. Like, there's a little scene before that where a woman goes in and she's going to ask Flocks for an abortion, but she doesn't say abortion.
1: Jeez I didn't actually. I didn't want you to expound further. I was. I agree. I agree. What happened yeah. was they have suicide bombs.
2: They have suicide bombs. They take over the ship. Uh. Uh. DJMott has them scuttle his old ship and they make course for, for Trianon and he's gonna use Enterprises, terrible weapons. I love to... how you
1: alienized it. Didn't they specifically call it Trianon? Trianon, sorry. Yeah, be Trianon. It that can't be Trianon, that's gotta be Trianon. That's the way Marjon calls Akron Akron.
2: Oh, it's <laughs> sticking with the French theme. There's a little uh oh, right. there is a little theater in downtown San Jose where you can go see piano concerts, Le Petit Trianon. <laughs> that's yeah. Right. Um. Anyway, he's gonna he's gonna kill all the heretics. He's gonna use Archer's ship to kill all the heretics, and then he's gonna give it back. Apparently, that's what he says. That is his plan. It seems, but he's been uh, reading the logs, and it turns out that Enterprise has done so many heresies. <laughs> yeah,
1: I believe that they've
2: been all over these spheres. They walked on one. There was a cool heresy they did where they got out of a shuttle, and it started to blast off into space oh, on its own. I remember that. And they had to shoot it down and then it crashed into a sphere? That's heresy.
1: You know, I don't so, even care about the spheres and I always feel like Enterprise is doing a heresy against me and the yeah. things that I believe.
2: <laughs> anyway, the penalty is death for the whole crew. But uh, this poor man Spader, he likes them Yeah. He likes Archer and these guys we came and saved their lives. So here's the deal. He'll kill one of them and Archer has to choose. <laughs>
1: Not like Sting. Again, that's separate. It's the opposite it's of separate. Sting. It's a separate thing. Sting's not
2: involved in this. I mean, listen, that, Sting chose a good song. That's the song I would have chosen from that record.
1: And would you also have chosen to use dollar bills as wallpaper? Uh-huh. definitely. To show yeah, definitely. how much money you have and how little you value it?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. But it would have been... Uh, what, what I would have done is I would have had a question for the panel. <laughs> what is this craftsman repairing? And it would have had like dollar bills as a material and then you know it would have gone I know
1: it's quiz time I get it
2: I would have been the quiz music well you had to decide and they would have showed you how a craftsman uh repapers the walls using dollar bills
1: Marjan and I watched one half of one of those together the Japan style originator program and by the end of that half she was even looking up when it was quiz time by the music
2: it very quickly is ingrained
1: into you that that is quiz time and it is quiz time now
2: um so uh I guess Archer uses some of his uh six hours to pick a crewman to make contact with the husband of the abortion lady. Mm. This guy's name is Yarek, and Archer has heard through channels uh that this that he does not approve of DJ Mott's leadership. Okay. This guy is not sly. They've been on the ship for two hours. And everyone already knows. And, and everyone knows if you're gonna try to foment rebellion hit up Yark.
1: He went down, he's like, he talked to Reed or whoever, he's like, hey, who do you think we can trust over there? And before he was finished with that one question, Reed was pointing at the guy. He's like, that's the one, <laughs> that guy? That guy, for sure is <laughs> right the that. one.
2: Uh, of course, Archer chooses himself.
1: Obviously. Well, he's got a but he asks, plan.
2: he asks for his own kind of uh, religious dispensation, which is to please execute him using the transporter. <laughs> and luckily, these guys are rubes.
1: I mean the guy makes a big point about how he's gone through the logs and he knows about their whole mission or whatever and all their journeys but still we are supposed to believe Archer's able to pull this very obvious one over on him?
2: One presumes that Archer knows this guy's not a speed reader and that he probably only cared about sphere stuff. (laughs) He just searched sphere. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I guess since this guy also doesn't know how to use the transporter, so T'Pol gets to do it anyway. Archer ends up in what I assume is the uh, catwalk up in the nacelle.
1: Well, it's it's nice up there; you get radiation protection.
2: Also, I think that's they still where that backup command center is. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's where he goes. Um, he sends some messages to Flocks, trying to figure out if flocks can make like a ga- cool gas or something that can turn off all of the bombs uh, and they go and scan some dudes to get anatomy details anyway flocks totally totally can
1: yeah I'm glad this is why I was glad you do the um, this one in TOS because I definitely spaced on that and I just kind of <laughs> woke up when he was doing the gas when he right. was putting the blue the blue blue liquid into the system and I went oh he, he's got some kind of gas he's gonna do so I didn't even yep. see the part where that was something that came up.
2: Yeah, he asked him to do it. Okay. Um, so they start to retake the ship so that they can get this gas into the system. But also at this point, four Trianon ships approach. And uh, hey, it's guys from the other sect. It's the heretics. Mm. And you can tell because they their little war paint is on the other side of their face and it's blue instead of red. You get so it. You get it. <laughs> Uh, also, at some point, we learned that the heresy is ab- about whether it took nine days or ten to create the universe, because mm. this show is does not trust you yep. to understand that it's that it's ridiculous it's if they a, make it sound real.
1: It is a real, uh, judgy, comical part, where Archer just looks at him like, <laughs> you guys, yeah. nine days versus ten.
2: Uh I don't know. Uh Digimon blows up one of the heretic ships. They keep fighting. Uh, Phlox get gets that gas into the system, so now the bombs don't work. Archer frees Reed and all the Makos, and they retake the ship. Uh, yeah, and then they uh, the Triannons leave. Everything's cool. And then Archer uh, takes uh, Digimont down to the surface of Trianon, where it turns out that eight months previously it was destroyed in this religious war yeah. while Digimon was out on pilgrimage. Yeah. And then he says something like, you wanted peace? Well, you've got it.
1: Yeah, the shit went nuclear when he was gone, and every major city has been destroyed, he says. Everyone!
2: Uh, basically, it's like the much better episode. Uh, well, I guess we'll see. We haven't gotten to it yet. But it's like the better in my memory episode. Let this be your last battlefield. Yes, well, yeah, fi- we'll find out. <laughs> It might. It actually might not be better, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what's this one about? Uh,
1: I put, oh, we're doing a religious episode again? Let's see if they do any better than Voyager or TNG. Um, religious extremism sucks, huh? <laughs> Good thing Enterprise told us that. I have it as a five for being straight down the middle. It's, yep, <laughs> I get it. I
2: know. It's sci-fi. They're doing a the sci-fi. I totally understand. Uh, This is one we don't have notes from Ben on Uh, He got us partial notes this week He just
1: sent an email saying he's going to try to get them done Should I tell him not to?
2: Yeah, tell him you're fine (laughs) It's all good (laughs) Uh, Yeah, here's what this one's about Um, Insistence on having a monopoly on the truth Is ultimately self-destructive This is like a classic sci-fi idea Right, like take the religious extremism Of the post 9-11 era And stick it on an alien race Right Uh, Does anyone learn anything? It has the form of Let This Be Your Last Battlefield, but it it plays on little sectarian differences, and I don't think anyone in post-911 America would realize that it could even be about them, because it seems so much like it's a parable of sectarian violence between Shia and Sunni Muslims or something. Right. In which a major scientific power is dragged in at gunpoint. Oh. (laughs) Um Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. They were doing a sci-fi. I gave it eight points.
1: What? Hold on. What? <laughs> All right. Well, that's fair. I mean, that's what it is, that's right? The easiest like, way to get points is to do a take.
2: These guys have uh, have some sectarian con- conflict, and look, oh, they're dragging in a big power through terrorism. Sure,
1: that is what right? they're doing.
2: So it's just we made it aliens in space. And it's sci-fi now.
1: And you guys, uh, no major cities are left. Just like in real. Whichever. Iran <laughs> Iran, and Iraq. I don't know what
2: they're trying to do. Yeah, it's not. It's not that specific. Yeah. Right? But it's something. Uh, however, execution. Mm. But it's crappy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm. They put way too much stuff in this one. Like... They cram in a woman who wants to have an abortion. That really doesn't Maybe her anywhere. husband does too. Yeah. And that's how Archer's... That's Archer's big in with these guys, not the horrible things that Dijamot, wa- Dijamot wants to do. Right. It's this abortion that's his That's his way in. There's too much dumb action. They could have gassed these people or used a transporter to beam Dijamot to the brig or any damn thing, but nope, they got to run through the ship shooting each other because it's Enterprise. Yeah. Having everyone stand silently on the dead blue screen planet at the end did not land. No. Um, So I gave him points at the very top end, but frankly, I thought this was below average television. I only gave it four for execution.
1: I was pretty significantly below you on this one. Um, Okay, Enterprise has definitely gained points in the past for talking about things like religious tolerance and understanding in the wake of the attacks on the... uh, that old world trade center in this episode though it really felt like they were doing a fear the muslims thing like these dudes suicide their bomb into command of enterprise and like try to uh they're trying to execute people i mean archer gets his way out of that in a dumb way and then they're like they want to use the ship to blow up all their enemies and everything and it was just kind of like, is this what we're doing in 2004 or whatever? Is this a good idea? Is this what we should be doing? Watch out for the Muslims, they're suicide bombers. And the way it just laughed at the religious differences between these two peoples was, it felt like so crazy dismissive for the guy mm-hmm. to comically say behind Archer, well, we thought the world was created in nine days and they think it was created in ten. And then Archer just turns around and just laughs at him like, <laughs> so, Idiots. Uh, well, let's talk about it.
2: Let's talk about this real quick Because uh, maybe I'll die before week 70 When (laughs) we get to let that be your last battlefield Uh, You never know Uh, In that one Two people are chasing each other Mm -hmm. I'm sorry One guy is chasing another guy throughout all of time and space uh, And it turns out that there are big differences One of them is (laughs) They're half white and half black (laughs) And one of them is black on the left And the other one is black on the right Yep And that is uh, absurd on its face. And the point of this is that racism is absurd on its face. Yes. Like, it is literally making that point. Whereas, I do not believe that the point of this show is that sectarian differences are absurd on their face.
1: No, to me this felt like a super judgy, like... Aren't people in other parts of the world so dumb?
2: Right. So this follows the form of that earlier episode very, very closely. Mm -hmm. But... But it's not—it's not trying to make the same points, and I think that it was a misstep to do so.
1: Yeah, and also, so there's another part that I wrote down in here, which is like, it's one thing to—it's one thing to point a finger at yourself, right? This is an American program made by Americans in most part. Point a, a finger at yourself, like TOS used to, and say like, a nuclear conflict will kill us all, idiots. So get your shit sorted out. Like that's the kind of thing TOS would have said in the olden days. Mm-hmm. It's another to point the finger at somebody else's culture who they ain't even watching your dang show. Probably if they are, nope, it's not for them. Yeah, and that that part felt kind of gross. To, yeah, that's, a little bit. That's why I early in the earlier part of this, I was writing, why does it seem like they're just fucking laughing at other people? Like these guys are so dumb and dangerous. Watch out. Um, and then the super preachy ending obviously was uh, not amazing. And then I wrote, this guy goes through their records enough to know, uh, like, a lot of stuff about their whole mission. And then, like I said, ignorant as hell. When Archer tries to, when he asks to die by transporter, the guy's just like, sure, yeah, I mean, that works for me. Which felt um, kind of wild. Like, they thought they got this giant execution chamber. That they're mm-hmm. taking up a big part of their ship with this fucking execution chamber. Why? You could just shoot someone in the head or something. Anyway.
2: Yeah. Also, uh, he knows that Archer did an airlock torture. <laughs> That's right. Er, earlier this season, but he apparently doesn't know that they've never executed anyone.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, it was just a two. I uh, I couldn't get there with this one. Oh, it's not worth fighting about. Also, sure. I didn't have much of a take for them to execute on. So.
2: Yeah. Um. Did they do any world building? Well,
1: there's prenom pre prin- prenom prenom
2: Maybe a cricket player? Prenam Digimot? Yeah, he played for the Chennai Super Kings, I think. Back in the days when that team existed? Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore, but Super Kings is such a good name.
1: Uh, Trianon uh, in the Maratis Star Cluster. Uh, These dudes who worship the creators of the Spheres and the Expanse. Are they suicide bombers, too? They got a religious war, and then we already talked about the differences between the sects. I find it hard to believe we're going to see a lot of this stuff again outside of the spheres. Did we learn anything about the spheres in this? Or was it just these guys worship them?
2: Uh, At this point, T-Pole is convinced that there are 59 spheres. Okay. Also, they came into existence a thousand years ago. Oh, that's right. All right. Well, I give them a two. And also, their belief is that the spheres are essentially terraforming the Expanse. And Paul seems to think that's possibly credible.
1: Well, we already know that they created the Expanse. It's just you're trying to figure out whether They create or not
2: the anomalies.
1: Isn't, aren't the anomalies what messed up this whole area and made this Expanse? Could be. I think uh, what I thought was they didn't know what, for sure whether that was intentional. Yeah. But they, they were definitely having an effect on their environment around them.
2: I think that's what we learned about the spheres in this one. Yeah, that's a two for me a so two for me. Also, uh, all of Archer's data was deleted in this episode. I didn't Everything know what he's been that, collecting on the Zindi.
1: I didn't know what that. I don't like. Does there no retrieval? Oh.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Does this guy know about backups? Does Enterprise have backups? Maybe it'll be back next week.
1: Yeah, because he looks really but, mad about it in the moment, but I didn't know yeah, whether that was going to stick around.
2: Archer reacted to it like it was real, mm-hmm. so we'll see whether it sticks around. But for now, that seems like something. But it's still not. Much, to me.
1: Yeah, at least they know all the stuff. Like, they
2: already didn't know where the Zindi were. I'm not sure what losing that War Room data really did.
1: Yeah, as long as they know what they need to figure out again, they can just remap it, or whatever.
2: Yeah. So, I'm a 2. And, uh, I'm a 2 in characterization as well. This, um... Dijamot gives Archer a chance to consider his anything goes, whatever it takes mentality here, but it doesn't seem like he does. Right. Like, There's a scene that doesn't accomplish anything in terms of this episode, where he talks to Archer about the tortures that he's done. Yep. And it's like, oh, you and I are so alike because I've killed all these people for religious reasons, and you tortured that one guy to get specific information. Right. And it's like, it's not a good analogy. <laughs> no. For one thing. and But and also, it doesn't seem like it makes Archer think about what he's been up to.
1: No, he does not think of that in his own terms at all.
2: Right. No one else is in this episode in a characterization sense. Phlox is a plot device. T-Pole and Trip are silent. Yeah. Uh, Reed shoots people. Mayweather gets threatened with a gun. They don't even pull Hoshi out of her quarters during the rescue. It's, um I just don't see any way to score more than a couple of points. I gave it two because Archer the only one in it and he didn't do anything.
1: Yeah. Not kidding. Like I'm trying to think back at what people did in this episode. I don't even remember Trip. <laughs> was he around? I don't even know what he did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. There's a scene right at the beginning where Archer tells him not to put up a fight. Right. And then there's a scene three quarters of the way through where Trip's like, your guy was watching me. I didn't sabotage the engines. And that's it. Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. Again, Enterprise is a three person show that often makes do with two. Just goes, yeah, we don't really need three.
2: Um, and like T-Paul carries out the, the transporter and she refuses to fire on the ship. And that's about it.
1: The only other thing I had was that t really looked down on this dude and his religion before they're bad guys. Like when they're just having oh, dinner. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And she's just like, what, a, what the fuck is this guy talking about? She's like, she's making like scientific merit arguments against his religious arguments.
2: Well, she's the... Uh, again star trek hates science and it's not who knows why but she is the version of science that uh uh, uh, that religious people carry in their brains Mm -hmm. where she's like crazy dogmatic about and wants to get into it yes and also and wants to make a big deal about it all the time this is like i think just last week she discovered time travel was real and I'm not sure she and believes it. We never it. saw a scene where she was convinced that that was actually happening.
1: That's right. She went through the whole thing. I'm not convinced she believes it. She mostly
2: it. just sneers and points a gun at people and says, "Is this is this what human life is worth in the 21st century?" I can't believe I gave that episode six. Dude, she,
1: <laughs> she she was bad cop, people, but apparently it did not change her mind about time travel.
2: Um, <laughs> but she's but she's that uh, weird parody of scientists that that some people have in their mind. And it's not surprising that she shows up in, in Star Trek because all Star Trek writers hate all scientists. That's
1: right. Yeah. Other than that, I had everybody else just does what they're supposed to. I guess Archer's mad about losing control over his ship and mission. And as always leads a commando raid. Uh, Phlox is defiant when told to abandon his injured patients and uses some kind of crazy medical science solution to mess with these suicide bombs. No one else is in it. I had it as a four based on the fact that it was mostly straight down the line, except for t who I thought was kind of kind of bad.
2: Well. Uh, I should say I gave Best Actor to Dejimot. He is doing a very solid James Spader. <laughs> That's right. Well, it
1: was the best he could do, given that he wasn't James Spader.
2: And uh, I gave Worst Actor to Yarick. That guy was not... He had four lines, and he didn't pull them off.
1: Yeah. Um... I got some quick hitters. Yes. How did this weirdo know to fire exactly two photon torpedoes to destroy his ship? What does he know about the nature or yield of these weapons?
2: Oh, it's a very good question. I guess that was some more reading he did. I guess so.
1: Uh, this bad guy derides Starfleet for their love of science, saying it leads them astray and that they'll never be able to figure out the secrets of the universe this way, all while standing on a ship so advanced he thinks it can end his dumb religious war just by itself, just (laughs) this one ship. It seems wild, but, uh, he's one of the crazies, so... Maybe that's... maybe that explains it. That CGI bat? Oh, yeah. Not amazing. (laughs) Like, fucking flapping around in there, and it was a real Babylon 5 situation.
2: Oh, why wow, they couldn't have released a real bat
1: um what happened to reed's
2: phaser rifle thing
1: it just jammed
2: oh yeah it's look unknowable every time every time they go to shoot one of these dumb action scenes they no one wants to take the time to think how a firefight would work with energy weapons mm-hmm. so everything is just a trope from an that's a, right. a war movie. Yeah, Everything like, just looks like a war movie. So yeah, Reed's dumb phaser rifle jams.
1: And so he throws it at the guy and then gets into a fist fight with him. And I was just like man, phaser rifles, uh, they need to work on those. I don't think it's supposed to be jamming. No. Um... Starfleet can't go anywhere without making enemies. <laughs> like, can't ever try to talk with these dudes again. I mean, I know they're all messed up anyway, it's not gonna matter, but like, after your vessel blew a bunch of them up, they aren't really gonna care what the explanation was.
2: Well, you don't think the three remaining blue face ships are going to be friendly now? No,
1: I don't think they're going to... Probably gonna, not, right? I don't think they're going to be in a good mood about that.
2: Because also, Archer can't just get on the horn with him and go, can you believe that you idiots are fighting about whether it was nine or ten days? Yeah,
1: because their whole society
2: got fucking exploded. <laughs> DJ mod, am I right?
1: <laughs> don't worry, I've got him in a brig. It's a fitting punishment. Uh, that's it. That's it for me on this one.
2: Uh... Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've said everything. Like, right at the beginning, I asked whether this show had the chops to take on religious terrorism. Yeah. Of course it does not.
1: I was very worried. That's why I said, too. I was like, so are they going to do better than TOS or TNG? Uh, It seems like they're not going to.
2: Well, uh, in third place last week was Deep Space Nine. Hmm. This week we watched Distant Voices. They took a page from Enterprise for the naming conventions in this one. At one point, Bashir just hears distant voices. <laughs> That's right. It's like, okay.
1: Uh, Bashir and Garrick are having lunch, and Bashir gets all pissy about turning 30. Quark comes up with a Lethian friend of his, who makes, Quark's, who makes Quark ask on his behalf about acquiring biomimetic gel from Bashir. Bashir tells the guy that shit is very illegal, but he can't take a hint.
2: Have we seen that before? Is that the shit from Aquiel?
1: Biomimetic gel?
2: Now, what's the thing where Crusher puts her hand into some shit and her hand (laughs) grows?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is the shit from Aquiel. I don't know what that is. I
2: just wondered if we had heard of biomimetic gel. We
1: have. It's the basis of the genetic weapons that I think they think the Cardassians are making in Chains of
2: Command. Is that a bio biomimetic, it's not biogenic weapons? Maybe they're biogenic. Uh,
1: yeah, they whatever. talk about it from time to time, especially on DS9 as a restricted substance. Um. Anyway, Bashir uh, tells the guy it's illegal, the guy can't take a hint. They finally get rid of him, but when Bashir goes back to the infirmary, that Lethian is now rifling through his shit, like maybe the biomimetic gel was just hidden in his desk. <laughs> anyway, uh, he attacks Bashir with crazy electro hands, and when Bashir wakes up, because he gets knocked out. Except the whole station is messed up and he can't raise anybody on comms. He finds Quark hiding at the bar, but dude's too scared to tell him what's up. He bumps into Garrick, who also doesn't really know what's up. Also, Bashir's starting to like turn gray, like his hair's going. Mm-hmm. So he's clearly, there's an age thing happening. Uh, Bashir and Garrick separate because it's becoming a horror episode. But Yes. Bashir finds out what has been messing up the station when he gets to the turbo lift, that's that Lethian guy again. He's smashing shit up. Um uh, he escapes from him and he eventually runs into Odo, Dax, O'Brien, and Kira, who are arguing about what to do next and pointing the finger at one another. Bashir is already looking crazy old. Yeah. Like, they did not age um, slowly at all. By this scene, he's already got some crazy wrinkles going on. O'Brien manages to repair the comms enough that he receives a signal. The message they hear is Cisco and Dax and a nurse talking about Bashir being in a telepathically induced coma. So this has all been a big fake out. Obviously. Yeah, it yeah, was <laughs> very obvious. I mean, I didn't want to slip it into the the uh description earlier than this but like fr- right away i was like oh this is all fake
2: yeah i know but basically my first like when he comes when we cut back from commercial i asked in my quick hitters are all the lights and computers flickering because we're inside bashir's electrocuted mind <laughs> so like it did not take long no for me to think ah, this ain't real
1: the only other option was is it like the time the lights were flickering because we were doing a stage acting thing like when uh, that guy got stabbed, and Kira had to <laughs> talk about how, yes, I don't know that she met a good Cardassian they, or whatever. I don't. They remember. had
2: one flickering neon light on the promenade. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Um, uh, while he's taking a lot of time to explain to his figments that their figments, figment Dax, is stolen away by the Monster Man. Suddenly, mm-hmm. he's playing ten. Uh, Bashir's now playing tennis with Garrick, and. Then he goes to find his figments again, and he sees figment Cisco treating some patients in a hallway. Cisco represents his professionalism, dude. It does that, not matter. That's a part of your, it doesn't matter that, who represents what. That's a part of your personality that it needs to be represented by someone. Uh-huh. Um, yep. You know what? I'm not taking any more notes about this. I've written. No, I see. I'll sum it up thusly. He thugs around in his unconscious for a very long time, and eventually he and Garrick are left in ops. Turns out Garrick isn't a part of his personality at all. It's the Lethian guy. They talk about what a whiny loser he is, and Bashir figures out he's supposed to fix this from the infirmary. More banter with a figment, and he kills the monster and wakes up from his bad coma. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, what was this great
2: uh, play acting in his mind about? oh uh it isn't it isn't aging that you need to fear it's surrendering to aging oh. or you're only as old as you feel or some horse shit I think is the message okay like there's a cynical version which is as long as you just keep fighting, you can't ever die but that's not really what they're trying to say here right I hope not um it's fine this idea, but no one thinks you should be afraid of aging. Like, even in pop culture, when you see someone who's freaking out about their extieth birthday, it's kind of a joke, yeah, it's kind of like this person isn't mature, this person has a lot of growing up to do right right um so I don't think that this is moving the needle anywhere on here, but it's like. He gets older as he gets closer to death, but he the Lethian keeps telling him to surrender to it. There's a big, long speech about how he's always been a quitter. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like, no, he's going to keep fighting. And he's going to fight his way through, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's something, but it's not much. I gave it four.
1: Yeah. Um, let's see. Did Ben have notes on this one?
2: Yes. He did. He says our brains are our own worst enemy. I mean, maybe, but the the real problem is like he marshals all of his personality aspects pretty quickly. Like Odo is not the real threat here. O'Brien is not the real threat here because in a minute, the Lethian's just got to snatch him away. That's right. Yep. And the Lethian is not part of his personality. So I don't think that's what they were shooting for. He says fine, but not particularly sci-fi. And he gave it four points.
1: Yeah, we all ended up with different stuff and all gave it four points. I gave it four. Um,
2: I ha- I took it from that...
1: Great conversation between Bashir and the Lethian Some people fear greatness as much as anything And self-sabotage is the only way out Yeah, I mean, maybe (laughs) I don't know That could be That's a good theory
2: Well, I mean, listen Bashir could have been a pro tennis player Mm -hmm,
1: Buddy Uh, Is that a career
2: in the Federation? (laughs) I don't know,
1: man We know baseball got the axe But I don't know if Maybe there are some other sports that you can still... I mean, we know they don't have money, so they don't have to worry about that, I guess.
2: Right. I mean, like, I guess a pro tennis player is no no worse of a career in the post scarcity economy than a, being a gardener or whatever, right? Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, I guess that's he, a thing. But would you get a lot of fame and adulation from being a pro tennis player?
1: Yeah, and all this stuff about how he was going to be first in his class at the academy, but he purposely did a whoopsie.
2: Yeah, For he mistook a uh pre-ganglionic fiber for a post-ganglionic nerve
1: but the problem doctor i'm such a great voice actor
2: it's like <laughs> sh- fuck um
1: flip it around to execution there's no real good way to prove that take but it's a psychological theory i guess good good for good for you guys Yep. um why does bashir use his fake tricorder as evidence that this is a coma delusion that tricorder his- is obviously fake too. And he's talking to some fake dudes. He's like, see, see, it says here it's all fake.
2: It is. I, I want to say this about that. It is uh, legitimately nonsense. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of dream logic, though. And I'm so glad that someone didn't immediately say, but then that tricorder isn't real either. So what does that prove? Because I just forget the whole show.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. We don't need this episode, I guess.
2: Because the alternative to that, right, is that Bashir has no evidence and he's just making a Cisco-level assertion about what's real and what isn't.
1: Well, I just, why do you need to prove it to those guys if you think they're fake? That's a
2: very good point. Like, once they're not real, why, why talk to them like, anymore? Yeah, you don't need
1: to prove it to fake O'Brien that he's fake. Like, who gives a shit? Um, he also really seems to always think this exact way about shit, where people in his life represent his emotions. He says to fake Dax... You've always represented my—or is it a real Dax? You've always represented my confidence. That's fake Dax, but what? still. Who wrote uh, this? That's not a thing that people do.
2: Yeah. What does it? A. What does it mean? But it, you're right that the, he is—he's uh, a little bit operating on Schmuller's terms here, where he's the only real person <laughs> in the universe, and everyone else is an accessory. That's right. Just a to piece his personality—a
1: piece of him and his greatness.
2: Yep. Exactly. And they, while they have been making some strides to make him an actual human person in the last season and a half, mm-hmm. it's uh, this one is kind of a backslide there, isn't it? Yeah, Ways
1: to Go, I think. His weird ego about turning 30 is not exactly what I'm interested in watching. Um, do makeup artists get to pitch episode ideas? <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know how this made it to filming. <laughs>
2: Because, like, wh- I don't even know what this episode's about. Like, it's so... What if one of the producers was just mad at Alexander Siddig and <laughs> wanted him to have to spend 20 hours in makeup? <laughs> That's right. He's gonna have a real fucking hard time while we're filming this one. Enjoy eating a smoothie every day through a straw, idiot. The,
1: uh, the final old person makeup was pretty good, but all the stages along the way were terrible. Like, it was only optimized makeup for the final stage.
2: Well, I'll, like... This show is not in HD. Has not been remastered and won't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he first notices the streak of gray in his hair, the only reason I knew that's what was happening was because of the hand movement he yes. made. Because this is a very dimly lit episode, right? For all we knew, there was just that one more lamp on or something. In his hair was like it was not like until the scene where he goes into the argument quarters and he's already seventy. Yeah, it's like. You couldn't really tell that he was aging.
1: Yeah, I think it was... They only optimized the makeup for that final stage and all the steps along the way that they did the day of. Like, I don't know, does this look good? I don't know, we gotta shoot it. Uh, it was a two for me. Sorry, that was a lot of talking to say it was a two for me.
2: <sighs> Most of this episode takes place in a coma. Yeah. There's no need for the stakes to be this high. Like for most lethian attacks to be fatal like he pops out and it's like ah it's almost no one could have survived that
1: Yeah, like they said after the end like if the episode's over and he's like oh you're 90 percent of the time people die from this shit it's like what
2: yeah i don't all i want to say is if at the end when he popped out of that coma it turned out that he was never in any real danger that changes nothing yeah like whatever insights he had in the coma world are still there So that's artificial nonsense to me. Mm -hmm. I was never going to score a dream sequence episode high, but this one isn't even good for a dream sequence episode. I gave it three points. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so really spent the entire fucking episode in a dream world. Woof.
2: Ben's a six on it, though. Holy shit, okay. He says, uh... He thinks they were going for a thing, and they did that thing fairly well. (laughs) And then most of the rest of that comment is just questions until he figured out what was going on. (laughs) Yeah. And he's a two-on world building. Uh, he thinks the tennis ball stuff was silly, and then the 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 Lothian guy had a weird beak face. Yeah, and he's
1: some kind of weird, some kind of terrorist looking for some restricted substances.
2: I felt like he was going to put that biomimetic gel right up his nose. His behavior seemed way more. <laughs> uh, drug drug yes, user it was like than terrorist,
1: an addict's behavior for sure. No, no, I'm sure, I'm sure it's in here, though. It must be in his desk. That's probably where he keeps the uh, Yeah, he,
2: he broke into the office and then ransacked a normal shelf, which is definitely where Bashir keeps a substance <laughs> so 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 secretive that it's a felony to ask for it's it. It's under this pad. I, I'm sure of it. And then he fucking shocked the guy on the way out and then immediately got caught by Odo. <laughs> That's
1: right. They talk about later in the episode that he got caught right outside the fucking infirmary by Odo, probably because yeah. the fucking security office is right there.
2: It is right there on the problem. You're right, dude. So, this like, guy
1: was going to put it up his nose.
2: This Yeah, this biomimetic gel was going right up his nose. I don't know what other people use it for, <laughs> but it was going right into one of those holes on this guy's face.
1: <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's actually, boy, that's like the most motivation anyone in this episode has. That's amazing. All right. Uh, what about for you, uh, though? Uh, oh, or was it my turn? It was me. No, it's your turn all to right. give a world-building sure, right. score, um, I think.
2: I know. You know what? It's my turn. <laughs> go then i don't know uh Shogoth's enigma tales yes uh electric Lethians. yeah <laughs> biomimetic gel felonies still exist although i don't know what the jurisdictional issues are like on deep space nine
1: uh yeah it
2: seems like a confusing mess yeah uh i gave it the standard three okay
1: uh, I also had Shogoth's Enigma Tales, Cardassian Cardassian mystery novels where all the suspects are always guilty.
2: Yep. Um Listen, okay, I mean it's the top of my quick hitter, so it doesn't matter. But what I was gonna say is every time we see a little thing with Garrick and Bashir and they're talking about some piece of Cardassian culture, I'm so mad that I don't get to Yeah read it, read it or see it or <laughs> learn. Let's more. make
1: this the fucking episode. I wanna see a whole episode that's my dinner with Andre, but it's my dinner with Garrick. Yep. And it's just Bashir and Garrick fucking talking around in circles about shit. That would be so much... And I don't even like Bashir.
2: Like, I'd love to read Shoggoth's Enigma tales if they were real. Okay, uh, like, just... Uh, this is a weird, different kind of mystery novel. It just always seems... Cardassian shit always seems cool. Yeah. And we never learn anything about it, so it's never cool. I
1: just found a way to improve it, though. You replace Bashir with Dukat, and it's Dukat and Garrick. We know they don't like each other, and they got history, and they're talking around in circles. Yeah. That's a good episode. Let's just make That's that one. Cardassians, um, mm-hmm. according to Garrick, look forward to advanced age. It's a sign of power and dignity.
2: That's why the gulls get fat, too, by the way. That's right. They want... <laughs> uh, like little fat not kings. The, the Leggits. That's why the Leggits get fat. Yeah,
1: Gull, you're not quite there yet. You still got some... You can still be replaced pretty easily. Biomimetic gel is a restricted substance. Lethean's got crazy electric hands. Their telepathic attacks are almost always fatal. Fake Garrick says Cardassian hearing isn't as acute as humans. We learned that that guy's really a Lethian. I don't know if that's fact or not.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I I would like it to be fact. I would like to have that interesting distinction.
1: Real Garrick says Cardassians don't believe in luck. That seems like he can't. He can't know
2: that. Um, I mean, they're real. They're real schemers. So <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> it kind of makes sense.
1: Um, there's a, such a thing as a telepathically induced coma. It was a standard three for me as well. Characterization. Uh, ben has it as a six. All character work, he says. Bashir's turning 30, and then he laughs. I don't know how old Alexander City was, but... Um, I guess this is all Bashir's characterization, but these are the deconstructed aspects of him which are much like any person would be, so this doesn't give us much in the aggregate. Real Garrick seems actually impressed by Bashir's triumph over the Lethian and his survival. Well, he wants to eat him alive. That must be what he's... (laughs) He must be seeing that aspect of that actor's performance. (laughs) <laughs> um, Garrick
2: thinks he's getting chubby. Yeah. Um, it's all the tendons, they add pounds.
1: Garrick is also very defensive uh, in his praise and love for Cardassian literature. Bashir is racist against all Cardassian mystery novels thinks they're all the same and he doesn't want to read them anymore but Garrick doesn't dispute it it seems like
2: he it. may have it seems like he may have read at least one other of Shogath's enigma tales
1: <laughs> and Garrick does not refute his specific assertion that they're all the same he's like he's like all the suspects are always guilty he's like yeah that's the point the that's what are they guilty of or whatever um Bashir's upset about his 30th birthday, he shouts at Quark for no reason, but he earns the anger quickly afterwards, so it's okay. Yeah, Quark really earns it immediately by having this guy come up and beg him for drugs, I guess, it's drugs now. Um, (laughs) Bashir has a lot of tennis drama in his background. And he fears greatness, or maybe he doesn't, I don't know, it's a three for me.
2: Uh, Did Bashir tell Garrick? Everything that happened in that dream. He said. He sat down and he said, it's going to be a really long lunch. I got a crazy story to tell you. Did he tell him about uh, Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> appearing in there to do sexy birthday? Like anyone would even be surprised. Um, What was Quark trying to accomplish? Was he just sort of trying to tell, sort of hint to the Lethian where he could get the gel? Was he approaching Bashir knowing Bashir would turn him down but also knowing that Garrick was right there and like trying to set up a backhand deal or
1: he had a look on his face like the kind of person who goes into a pizza joint with their abusive boyfriend and mouths help me to the counter
2: uh, no I definitely think Quark was trying to disengage from that but yeah. like was he trying to pass him off to someone else or was he and the next thing I wrote was hoping Bashir would have the Lethian thrown off the stage. I think
1: that's what he was hoping I think he was hoping Oda would become involved very quickly
2: Yeah, Uh, I thought that the Garrick wraparounds were good, but the most of the episode didn't count, and I only gave it two points. That seems fair. Uh, And I have relatively few quick hitters for this one. Okay. Um. In uh, 1995, or whenever they made this, they paid Warner Brothers to use the song "Happy Birthday." For that scene. Boy. That doesn't seem worth it. A scene that did, did not need to be in there. Like, that can't have been worth like
1: it. Like you said, a scene where a Davo girl or something. Some some
2: kind of lady. Not not sexy. Not sex tax. No. Nope. Not anyone we've ever met. Yep. Just a, a blonde Bajoran woman does sexy birthday. Yep. In ops.
1: To a hundred-year-old Bashir or whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, This episode did a thing where well before Bashir learns it's real, I didn't think it was possible for any member of the audience to think what was happening was real. Yep, I think that's true. And uh, that is a sign that they don't trust the audience. And also just sort of bad filmmaking, because ideally you'd want the audience to... Figure it out, it sort of as the character figures it out.
1: Yeah, if you didn't know by all the weird flickery lights and the fact the whole station was broken or whatever, you would have known when he talked to Quark and Quark was like cryptically unhelpful. Right. Yes.
2: Yeah. And just like a like a turbo coward. Yes. Uh, we've seen Quark in crazy situations. He can He's still talk and think and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I gave best actor to Garrick and worst actor to the Lethian. Sure. Yep. <laughs> That guy does some speech work at the end. He fucking sucked. <laughs> through his weird thorn mouth yep. and it's not good. Yeah. Uh, the I mean, the best thing he did was when he pointed at Bashir's temple with his weird thumbnail.
1: Yeah, again, I, I wrote, the voice acting on this alien is crazy bad.
2: Um, But maybe you had some quick hitters.
1: Yeah, if only Bashir had a staff, this guy couldn't just rifle through all his shit. <laughs> so, of course, the infirmary is totally deserted.
2: Um Angry
1: Dax is a better character than regular Dax but still a very poor actor. You know, like that was a that was better than normal Dax. Angry Dax in his memory or in his a uh, his confidence or whatever. But not yeah, it wasn't wh- good.
2: Whoever set the baseline for Dax as be enigmatic Ugh. uh really ruined this character.
1: Isn't this like her first real acting job? I don't think you can get a f- a first timer to come out and play enigmatic.
2: Okay, you've lived, this is your seventh lifespan, <laughs> and you're not a 25-year-old former model. You're
1: kind of above it all.
2: Yeah, you're, all, all of this, this is peasant shit mm-hmm. to you. You've been through and it. You, yeah, you've seen and done all of this, and you're real, you have a real open sexuality. What's she doing? She's and... just kind of staring. Is she,
1: is she going <laughs> to do anything else? No, you're doing great. You're doing great, but more enigmatic. She's not fucking doing anything.
2: I don't know, man. She doesn't look enigmatic to me I, at uh, all. I like I like her boobies, though. <laughs> all right, thanks, Michael Pillar or Rick Berman, whichever one.
1: Um, it looks difficult to play tennis and all that Cardassian makeup. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Garrick looked like he was struggling. Uh,
2: it is not designed for flexibility, <laughs> like with the. A uh, big cage on your chest basically
1: we should actually get, try to keep track of this and see if there's ever a scene where he like turns his neck around like tries to crane his <laughs> neck or anything or if it's just totally impossible just
2: all shoulder turns that's right
1: uh i love imagining renee aubergine Pretending to be a melting guy by standing completely still with his head cocked in one direction, <laughs> sputtering his last words.
2: Just knowing that this CGI is of his lower body. Don't worry, we're gonna away. CGI you.
1: It's all gonna it's gonna be in post. You just keep standing there.
2: I'm dying, doctor. <laughs> uh
1: that's it. Had to make our own fun on this one.
2: Yeah, this one was not This is not great. Not a great episode. Yeah. Second by the way, place
1: by list. the way, I, I nicknamed my notes this week. Chapter 63, the one where the characters say aloud what the plot is. Yes. <laughs> you, you had sent me the screenshot ahead of time of Bashir saying, all of you represent aspects of my personality or whatever it was. I think
2: the one I specifically sent you was the station represents my mind.
1: <laughs> and I went, yeah, that's about right. That's what we're doing this week. It's a lot of that.
2: Uh, second place last week was uh, the original series. This week we watched For the World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky. Uh, Enterprise gets attacked by some badly outdated missiles and uh, starts following them back to their origin. Meanwhile... Uh, Nurse Chapel calls Kirk down to Sickbay because there's bad news about McCoy. He has xenopolycythemia and he has a, maybe a year to live. Ouch. They find the source of the missiles, it's a big asteroid in space, but it's under power. It's technically a spaceship. They don't find any life signs so they think the crew is all dead and it is on a collision course for the heavily inhabited world of Darren 5.
1: Is that world exactly as inhabited as Earth was when this episode was made?
2: Uh, Could there have been 3.7 billion I looked it up. The answer (laughs) is yes.
1: Exactly. So you know what the stakes are. It's exactly as many people as there were on Earth in 1960-whatever.
2: Incidentally, uh, this... The this knowledge that you looked up there uh, was one of the main reasons I was uh, mad about the plot for uh, Avengers: Infinity War. Oh,
1: okay, why? What, what was going on in that one again? Besides, uh, there was a pegasus.
2: Well, let's just say that the last time Earth had half the population it has currently, uh, oh, was like 1970. Yeah, it hasn't been that long. <laughs> oh, oh, it turns out uh, we can get back to this, this number of people
1: real quick yeah
2: it doesn't seem like a good plan yeah
1: there would be an adjustment period but then shit would be right back on track
2: yeah it'd be a suit oh hey super cool yeah you fixed things for two generations you <laughs> idiot you big dumb idiot <laughs> that's Your all right looks like a whale's belly what's going that's on that's all
1: right he got his head cut off and then he got he got killed again in the end yeah that's true
2: that is true right um I remember all right so they go down to see if they can change the course on this asteroid Maybe they'll have to blow it up. They're not sure. Uh, Inside the asteroid, though, it looks like all of the planets they've ever visited. Uh, And then a bunch of weirdos jump out of tubes and ambush them. (laughs) Uh, Their leader, High Priestess Natira, welcomes them to the world of Yanada and takes them underground. She prays to the Oracle, an obvious computer that zaps them up real good. I was
1: so excited to see yet another society controlled by uh, some kind of crazy computer. That is right.
2: Well, they're controlled by a computer, but they're also controlled by religion.
1: There you go. That's good. Let's do both.
2: Let's just say that that's the case. Um, Kirk tells Spock that McCoy is dying, and after McCoy wakes up from getting hella zapped, a man in a fun kimono comes in and gives them uh, a tincture Ooh. to restore their strength. Good, good, good. And he tells them that he once climbed the mountains and he knows the world is hollow and he says the title. Yep. Yeah, he does. Um, But he shouldn't have said or done any of that because he got punished to death by a little thing in his temple. I had For s- revealing the secret.
1: I had so much to say about that actor that I ended up saying none of it. I just didn't want to get into it. I had <laughs> just like so much, so many thoughts about that guy.
2: Um, uh, Natira comes in and she explains that he was punished by the Oracle. But she's also real concerned about McCoy and also uh, they are entirely in love. So it's plan A, <laughs> seduce her so that Spock and Kirk can go find the controls. That's right. So um, McCoy starts to ask her about the Oracle, but she's four steps ahead of him and she straight asks him to marry her. Yep. (laughs) The people are going to reach a new world and she wants him to enjoy it with her. He tells her about his uh, terminal illness, but she's still into it. Uh, At the Oracle room, Spock recognizes the writing on the Oracle door as being uh, Fabrini, a a dead people whose star went Nova 10,000 years ago.
1: But he knows how that writing looks.
2: But he knows all about that writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gets the door open. The Oracle doesn't know they're there yet because you got to kneel on a pad before it can see you. You have to say Kirk um, to Enterprise. He, that's right. <laughs> it's a little bit like I that. I
0: am Kirok!
2: Um... At this point, N- Natira comes in to ask the Oracle for permission to marry McCoy, and the Oracle has that little conversation with her, but now that he's awake, he uh, sees Kirk and Spock and gives them a real bad shock. Yeah. Um, anyway, the punishment for what they've done is death, but McCoy begs for their life, and Natira's like, all right, fine, get him out of here. So they go, he stays, they get married, he gets the little bomb put in his brain and uh, she starts, uh, you know, instructing him in the catechism or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Kirk, uh, Starfleet calls Kirk and says, all right, we'll deal with the asteroid. Who cares? Get out of there. But at that point, McCoy's like, Hey, I found their great book and I bet it, I bet it'll teach us how to fix this thing for sure. <sighs> Because he forgot that the Oracle can hear you when you've got the bomb in your head or whatever. Yep. So the Oracle starts punishing him. Kirk and, and Spock beam right in there. Spock takes the thing out of his brain. Um, Kirk starts to tell uh, Natira about the Fabrini and everything. Um, she gets punished. She goes to the Oracle room. Why did she get the punished? The Oracle yells at her.
1: She gets punished because she listens to them and believes them.
2: Yep. Yeah uh McCoy takes out her instrument of obedience they get the book the uh Oracle t- turns the room into a sauna goes into sauna mode <laughs> and they get behind the altar of course it's a giant computer back there which Spock knows how to operate so he turns off the heaters and uh, while they're fixing the asteroid so it won't hit Darren 5 anymore, McCoy asks uh, Natira to leave Yonata with him so they can go search for the cure for his disease. Yep. But she says, nah, it ain't it ain't going to work out after all. I got to stay here and uh, lead my people to the promised land, even though I don't believe in it anymore.
1: Yep, and we fucking 10 minutes ago when I did believe in it, I was like, sure, well, let's be together forever, you and me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, luckily... Before they leave, Spock finds the cure for xenopolycythemia in the Fabrini archives, uh-huh. so they fix McCoy up, and Kirk says, hey, listen, if you want, uh, we can uh, we can be at the, the new home of the Yonadins when they arrive in 390 days or whatever, but luckily the show's canceled, so we don't have to see that reunion.
1: Yeah, like we would have. Like they would have remembered that.
2: <laughs> like they would have remembered that McCoy's married.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's legally... I mean, we
2: don't see a divorce. I don't know. Maybe the Oracle divorced him too. Who knows? Legally.
1: <coughs>
2: married. Married. Matthew. Yeah. What's this episode about?
1: Before I get into that, let me just say how happy I was, because I don't have it in my notes later, how happy I was that they didn't do a lot of real bad stage acting about that hot, hot sauna.
2: Oh, yeah, it's true. They
1: mostly just ignore it. And I was like, okay.
2: Yeah, they mostly are, like, getting through it, and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's hot in there, but it would take a while before it started to get to you. Yeah, it got to, like, you 120. You can still do stuff. If it's suddenly hot, you can still do stuff yeah. for a
1: little bit. Yeah, like, you'd be all right for a little while in there.
2: And, like, Natira has already collapsed from the Oracle's punishment at that point, so. Right. Although McCoy is trying to take care of her, it's not like, you're right, they're not acting about it
1: at all. I just wanted to say that, because while you were saying that, I was like, oh, I remember being so glad in the moment. They weren't like,
2: ah, the (laughs) heat! It's true, it could (laughs) have... Kirk could have been sweating and distracted and like, <laughs> yeah. I, if only I could, what's the password or whatever. But, <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, but what is this episode about? I had, this is another one we don't have notes from Ben on, by the way.
1: Okay. I had, is this another painful truth versus uh, sublime lie kind of episode? There's so much talk on this one of your truth and our truth and all of that. <laughs> the people all get zapped whenever they believe something unsanctioned by the Oracle. But this lady, in the end, chooses to accept a painful truth rather than live the lie that she's grown up with of the Yonata or of Yonada. Maybe um, something about McCoy trying to run away from his truth to this dang asteroid, but I'm not convinced that's really a part of it. Um, and yes, there is obviously the part where uh, are they being controlled by religion. We've done a number of these already, where you gotta choose, eventually, the hard truth. It's sort of like a version of the we have to set everything right of this. It's like Star Trek only has a few gears. Um, (laughs) It's kind of true. So I only gave it a five. I felt like we've done this one a lot. I feel like I've said this about every episode this week is straight down the line five.
2: Well, I gave it even less. Uh, I thought the take in this one is uh, religion is the opiate of the masses. Mm. The, um... The the these backward Yanadins because we only meet the high priestess and then that one hick. Yeah, the sword the sword waving guys. Um, these these guys all believe in a book they don't even know the contents of, yeah. and they're punished by a thought controlling leader. So it's a little on the nose. Um,
1: it's kind of shocking they never found that book. It's like right there.
2: And it's also the case that it seems like the Fabrini intentionally put this religious control in place to keep the people in line for 10,000 years. So I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be an episode about religion, but I I kind of don't know what to do with this one or what to take away from it. Like,
1: Don't have religion, I guess, would be the main...
2: Don't have religion. But we
1: know that's so anti-TOS, where there's one god and... That's a universal constant. Oh, yeah, and we know... For, for
2: the censors, if you ask Spock, he will tell you there's one true Christian God.
1: And also, we're all so excited. We're so happy to be to see the birth of Christianity on this planet we fucked one, up.
2: One more time. We're So happy to watch it wipe out this nat- planet's <laughs> native culture.
1: <laughs> They're talking about the son of God, dude. You get it.
2: Matt, Matt they were trying to ridicule.
1: I know, but they couldn't. But they, couldn't. <laughs> they couldn't do it. It's impossible. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to stain this episode with those episodes. I apologize.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a real mixed message for sure. I only gave it three. I didn't think they were doing anything here. Good.
1: That's fair. Um, what about uh, how they executed on both your premise and in general?
2: Uh, well, so in general, uh. There's very rarely interesting cinematography in this one. There is a shot in this one that is shot through stairs that people are descending, where you first see them walk down the stairs and then walk around to where they're shooting. I thought that was an interesting shot. Okay. Now, otherwise, um, McCoy and Natira have an insane love at first sight moment. Uh-huh. I couldn't tell if she had a weird telepathic power that caused him to freeze in his tracks or what. Uh, and then of course he just got pistol whipped or whatever from behind. Yeah, this ship has been has been traveling for ten thousand years, uh-huh. and it happened to drift into a collision course with a hugely inhabited planet. Yeah, and they caught it at a point when it is the same distance from Darren 5 and its original, Darren 4 and its original destination, or Darren 5? That it's, is what odd. is. Where were they going? A moon of Darren 4? <laughs> I was
1: going to say, it must be really close to wherever they're going. <laughs> so they were only a little yeah. bit off, to be fair.
2: Um. Otherwise, this episode is much less scientifically distracting than recent efforts, and the love story is dumb, but it's... It's not much dumber than Kirok's love story. Oh, God. I mean, they had a couple... Kirok had a couple of months with her at least, so it wasn't like an insane love at first sight thing. And I thought there were a couple of nice moments with dealing with McCoy and his illness. Uh, Everyone loved when Spock puts his hand on McCoy's shoulder. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a five for execution. I also think that's fair.
1: Pretty by the books episode, really. The plot moved along, everything resolved perfectly for everybody at the end. Um, except for that weirdo they ran into who got his brain melted by the oracle. <laughs>
2: um, I don't really have much That dude that dude had been not telling anybody I know <laughs> about what happened for fifty years or whatever, but then he met these people who are from outside Yonada. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, okay, well, if we got aliens here now, surely I can talk to these guys about it. Nope.
1: (laughs) Also, doesn't it know their thoughts? How was he able to walk around with that in his head all this time?
2: I get maybe thinking it isn't a crime.
1: Because that lady gets punished for thinking. That lady gets punished for listening to them and thinking about it. Yeah. Um... I didn't have much to say about it either way, except another insta-romance between this priestess and McCoy based on nothing but fuzzy lens uh, gazes. And I didn't hate it, but it didn't do anything for me. I gave it another five.
2: Uh, world building.
1: Scotty is shocked by the chemically-fueled missiles, but, like, how do thrusters and impulse work? I don't even know anymore.
2: They never attempt to explain it. It's just...
1: Xenopolycythemia or whatever, which McCoy has contracted somehow. They don't really get around to telling us that, do they? He just got it. How he got it? Yeah. No. He... Not
2: how, not when. Yeah. They act like it's not contagious. But then how did he get uh, it? I don't know how he got it. That's what I'm saying. They don't even talk about it. Um, This
1: atomic-powered asteroid, Yonada, an artificially-powered power... artificially asteroid, they got such as a high priestess, probably descendants of the Fabrini, also the vast library of their knowledge contained therein. Hey, did they only mine it for a cure to McCoy's ailment, or did they take the whole damn database?
2: I feel like they took the whole fucking thing.
1: Because they probably should. I mean, as long as they're there. It's
2: going right to the British Museum.
1: <laughs> uh, Spock brings up the prime directive issue with telling these dudes they live on this big m- fucking asteroid spaceship thing.
2: Yeah, and Kirk says, well, they're going to die if we don't do anything, so. Yeah,
1: but Kirk just says it's more logical to tell them the truth and try to fix it, so maybe they had more leeway back then? Or maybe Kirk just didn't care.
2: Maybe Kirk's shenanigans are why Picard doesn't have so much leeway. Could be. Although, as we all know, Picard never gets punished either. That's right.
1: Sometimes they threaten it, but he just out-talks them. Um, this subcutaneous transponder punishment device thing the Oracle uses to spy on folks. I gave it a three.
2: I'm only at two. Um, It's rare for Kirk to contact Starfleet Command. Yes. Why? It seems to work perfectly and with no time delay in this episode.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, since the time delay thing is always so. Why is it rare? Are they going to have it this week? Who knows? Uh, yeah, I don't know.
2: He specifically says the rare circumstance of contact with Starfleet Command. Like the rare situation of a bald Elvis.
1: Yeah, first of all, we know that's not true. He's not going to talk to a Commodore every week.
2: Yeah. They're the biggest pain in his ass in the whole show Not the Klingons, not yeah. anybody This is fucking some Commodore Or Ambassador, Ambassador. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Ambassador Fox might show up He's like, oh this fucking guy
2: Uh, F- Fabrini language and history somehow survived That Nova And then Xenopolycythemia Which I guess is only something because Polycythemia is a real illness
1: this kind, some kind of alien version, or this something. Is alien one, yeah.
2: and it, now you've got for alien reasons you got too many red blood cells or whatever is going on in polycythemia.
1: Is it still a hundred percent fatal in real life? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Maybe. Yeah.
2: Even if it was in the '60s, who knows? Right. Um. Yeah, I gave it two. I don't think we learned. <sighs> so I'm really mad, and we'll, we'll. I guess we'll talk about it in characterization, but. I'm mad about the fact that they did not address anything about McCoy's past in this episode. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can swing right into it, right? Yeah, go for it. Characterization. Why does Kirk wait so long to explain to Natira what's happening? It seems like immediately after they were caught in the Oracle room, the first time was the right time to tell her what's going on.
1: Also, he's already told Spock he's going to tell him and who cares about the prime directive? So, yeah, why does he take so long?
2: Um McCoy is weirdly emotionless in this episode. Yeah. Like he's very wooden in this one. Probably because he's not drunk. <laughs> That's
1: right. Yep. Yeah.
2: You know how he becomes a, a real good old boy when he's drunk?
1: Yeah, the Georgia just fucking flies out of him.
2: Uh he's so he's very stiff and wooden in this one, even during the falling in love parts. And This would have been a great time to explain any of his past history with women. Like, there's a a thing where she asks him, is there a woman for you, McCoy, or whatever? And he just says no. And he just says no. He doesn't go, well, in episode one of the show. three episodes, (laughs) exactly, where they're like, except that she is that one woman from McCoy's past. And you're like, okay, oh, he's got a history of this. (laughs) Yeah, uh, and it's
1: right in the log. Okay, cool.
2: Yeah, nothing at all. So, it's like, this is his episode, and we don't learn anything about him, and I think that's the big shame here. There were a couple of nice touches, mostly with Spock, but uh, I don't think any character work really got done. I gave it uh, as few as three points. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, McCoy is terminal, but wants to stay at work till the end. This week, he gets to seduce a lady. He manages to save Kirk and Spock by uh, agreeing to stay on the asteroid. McCoy Dunn gets married... Uh, and he gets cured, and he loses his lady. A lot happening for him this week, but you're right. We, there isn't a lot of reaction from him, and we don't really necessarily learn a lot. Nurse Chapel felt compelled to tell the captain about McCoy's illness over his objections. Did Shatner accidentally kick a guy in the head during that sick-as-hell brawl? Because I saw a hat go flying.
2: <laughs> Did you see this? I think so.
1: I think he yeah. kicked the dude straight in the fucking
2: head. Some Listen, Shat's gonna shat. What are you going <laughs> so He's
1: like, yeah, this will get a real effective performance out of this guy. I haven't liked his uh, Kung Fu so far. Check this one out. Boom! Uh, Spock did some fucking karate chop shit in that, too. It was really outstanding. I was, I, I was very excited by this fight scene. Uh, it's another one where I was like, I don't know, mostly by the books. No one was particularly shitty. But you're right that we should get more out of McCoy, this being a McCoy episode. So for me, it was only a four
2: uh do you have some quick hitters only a
1: few uh we are in it from the very start on this one shit is it red alert before the episode even starts um again spock says darren 5 has 3.8 billion people roughly the population of earth when this episode aired now those are stakes (laughs) uh another computer controlled society that uh that weird old guy said the name of the episode
2: Uh, He did, which he said the very long, crazy name of the episode, which
1: as I'm sure I've done 40 times before, I tried to look up the genesis of the episode title only to find for the 40th time that they just made. It was just to make them up.
2: Yeah, someone liked how that sounded mm-hmm. when they put it in that guy's mouth, and they're like, "What if we just called it that?" <laughs> they liked it. It's kind of the same reason that we named an episode "Spock's Rocks,"
1: dude, dude. They liked it so much they put it in the episode. I mean, he doesn't yeah. have to say any of that. It's nonsense. It's like weird, flowery nonsense about nothing. But they just thought that was such a cool, poetic thing to say that not only did it make it into the episode, but it was the episode title. Um. Yeah, and you know what? There's not. I've said everything already. There's not much. Not nothing else.
2: Um, oh, I got a few. They're just not gonna address why the sensors didn't pick up all those people because, like, later they can just beam down to where McCoy is. So, I don't know.
1: Yeah, right? It seems like the it's scanners just... are working.
2: It's weird. Um, Natira has drawn on lower eyelashes, like, they're just drawn onto her face. That's uh, cultural, I guess so. Yeah. What's with the little ring McCoy wears on his pinky? Why's he got a little pinky ring?
1: I didn't notice that, and I'm now I'm upset. I don't want it's, to notice it. I don't it. like it. Yeah, I don't,
2: I don't want to think about it. A little pinky ring on his left hand.
1: We remember when he shows up in uh, uh, the motion picture, and he's like a weird old hippie? Yeah. With like a beard and a big open V-neck shirt?
2: All mad that he got drafted? Uh-huh.
1: I think maybe he was already starting to have some
2: leanings. Uh, do you think this girl got daddy issues? Why is she so into McCoy? Yeah, he's so he's the oldest one.
1: <laughs> and you, Three. the oldest of the aliens, shall be my mate.
2: It's weird. Um a Fabrini writing looks like space hangul. Oh, good. I didn't even look at it. I don't know. It's a bunch of circles and straight lines. Oh, good. I I,
1: I was hoping it was actually Korean.
2: Uh, I mean, shit could have been. Uh, the designers of this or of this arc built both zappers and heaters into the Oracle room, huh? Yeah, they built two punishment methods.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where you you look back at the design of the whole thing and you go, man, they really fucked up. Because, like, if they're gonna make it so that they want everyone to be just so completely under control and not curious about anything and basically just grow up to be a bunch of dummies. They really need to program that guidance system better. Because, like, once it broke, who's going to fix it? Yeah. They can't even look it's at the book. It's not a good plan. Like, they're not allowed to see the book.
2: Well, do you know how in the morgue and the iMorgue, they at least had that teaching device? Yeah, that right. could make you smart if you needed to go steal something from the Enterprise, like, like say, Spock's brain? You
1: put on the hat from uh, Mario
2: Odyssey, and then you can do it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, these guys did not have that plan. no. Uh, and then, yeah, it didn't seem like Kirk and Spock should be able to just beam into that room where McCoy was. It just didn't make sense, given what they'd already been able to do. But that's fine. Whatever. I gave Best Actor to Spock saying yes when he learned about McCoy's xenopolycythemia. Mm-hmm.
1: It was a very Spock response.
2: Yeah. And I gave uh, Worst Actor, of course, to the guy who says the title. <laughs> like, it's so wild. I, just, I,
1: I feel like if we start to talk about that guy, that'll be the whole episode. I don't even want to get into it. It's too much. <laughs> His hair, his his fucking off... I mean, where did they even find him? That guy was a for-real weirdo in real life.
2: Yeah, he is... Uh, well, first of all, we talked about this last week. I got heavy Boris Johnson vibes off of him. <laughs> That's
1: right, yeah. He's a real Boris Johnson of a guy.
2: A real Boris Johnson type. <laughs> uh, he's coded as like... Like half retarded, right? Yeah, he's
1: for sure a riri, and you can't say that anymore.
2: <laughs> but I mean, like, but but is he, <laughs> or is it? Be- is it because he's been suppressing his crazy knowledge, trying to keep the Oracle from even finding? Oh, like, there's just that's
1: right. It's taken so much brain power to have the Oracle not discover his fucking seditious
2: ways. He illegally climbed a mountain and touched the sky. That's right which is just painted on the other side of the mountain. Oh, I
1: guess I got it. It's um altitude sickness. Uh, okay. Oh, he got altitude. Sickness. Yeah, cut off oxygen to his brain. That's what happened.
2: Okay. I'm Boris Johnson here. Yep. Um, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't talk about him anymore. It's too much.
1: It's too much for me to hand. I can't do it.
2: We got one more to do. It's T it's going to be, we're going to talk about it a lot because it's the offspring. Uh, but luckily, we're we're doing good on time. So, uh, first place last week was the Next Generation. This week we watched the Offspring. And it didn't play. I was
1: gonna say, are you trying to queue up, keep the uh, keep up separate, come out and play? Because that's not how this works. There you go.
2: <laughs> that time it played. <laughs>
1: Anyway, um, is that how how it goes?
2: (laughs) That's pretty good.
1: (laughs) Let's see. uh, Data went to, I don't know, like the Consumer Electronics Expo or something. And he, he stole somebody's sick as hell new tech. And he made a dang Android. And he named it LOL. Yeah, it's Hindi
2: for beloved.
1: He and Picard have a tense conversation about that.
2: By the way, they couldn't think of a way to get that in organically. Picard's got to say which it I in a learned
1: entry. since I'm
2: which I I always include learned. a
1: fact that I learned in each log <laughs> 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 means beloved in Hindi.
2: Uh, Picard's been bullet journaling, and That's you know, right.
1: well, he's all the fads. He's into all that shit. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he and Picard have a tense conversation about the great responsibility of creating a new kind of life but Data's too thick to comprehend what he's talking about Data and Troy take the android to the holodeck to choose an appearance and um LOL settles on human female yep there's some montages about law learning things and Data agrees to send her to school asshole admiral of the week rings up Picard and says he wants to steal that android if it's the last fucking thing he does <laughs> and then he
2: for sure is gonna steal this android he says
1: you'll never stop me the android's mine <laughs> and then he threatens Picard just so you're sure he sucks um
2: I by the way I hated him as soon as he wasted a priority one call <laughs> yeah to tell Picard to just hang just hang out there till I get there yeah.
1: Yeah, that guy took a fucking Excelsior out there. Probably Picard took answered
2: that call in his little robe and shorts, and it, that was the call?
1: I don't know how far away Galar 4 is, but I think it took him like a week to get there.
2: Just hanging out, waiting for the hood or whatever to show yeah. up. Whichever Excelsior-class ship that was. Yeah, so
1: I mean, you know it's not the crazy horse. That's on fucking Nechev duty.
2: Um. All right. Uh,
1: Lol has a bad first day at school, and Data gets some advice from Crusher. The mean admiral calls again and says he's taking a fucking Excelsior out there to look over Data's shoulder. Mm-hmm. Data asks Guinan to give Lal a part-time job, and she uses a contraction, I guess, indicating that she's learning things Um, that Data never has already. She uh, also does a big wet kiss on Riker, who just got back from some pervy <laughs> vacation, I guess. Mm
2: -hmm. I don't know, dog. (laughs) Yeah, sure, we'll talk about it for a million years already.
1: (laughs) Um, The uh, Admiral shows up, and it's clear he has no interest in observing Data, only taking that sweet, sweet android back to Galar 4. He interrogates Lol, who uh, goes to Troy in a real state. Yeah. Troy can feel she's upset, but, like, Troy's powers are a real mystery, so... um.
2: This is her first encounter with somebody who sucks, and he's got it turned up to 11. She's just as so, shitty as I mean, became. I'd be in a state, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, She didn't even understand that the kids were laughing at her. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But now she knows that that's a possibility, and then Admiral Haftel comes in. Ugh. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's pretty bad. It's like if the first one of our dad's friends we ever met, like, say, David Christ, was a real piece of shit.
2: Oh. Right. No. Oh. That's why I, mean, I was always in be- a state- that dude sucks, but he wasn't trying to kidnap us. <laughs> I don't know,
1: probably. Who knows? Um Troy, uh, Troy can feel she's upset, but who knows about her powers. Anyway, the Admiral is in the middle of ordering data to hand Lol over, but Picard is like, eat a dick, bro. The Admiral is like, I am Starfleet. Gets real Vince that. McManny about the whole thing. Picard gets his speech music in the background, but don't none of this matter because Lol is busted and somebody needs to start wrenching around in her brain. Data and Admiral Dickwad try to save her off-screen, but it's too late. Uh, She's hella broken. Uh, That Dickwad explains his new appreciation of Data as a father, which I guess is supposed to redeem him. And Data has some sweet last
2: words with his daughter and then chats on the bridge. Yep. This one. Yeah, um... So they skirt so close to Measure of a Man territory again on this one that is is very hard to pick out. I think at the end of the day, this one is just like... uh, yeah. Having a kid is part of being human, and you have to allow parents to possibly make mistakes.
1: Yeah, that doesn't... Yeah, that sounds like it's not, not sci-fi.
2: <laughs> no, it's not. So... Like, we... Never believe in this one that Data will be negligent or incompetent or a bad parent in any way. Like, they do a lot of work to to show that Data's taking this seriously and doing a lot of research and whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But the flip side is, if there's any such thing as uh, anti-vax or homeschooling Star Trek fans, they must love Picard's oh. surrender his child to the state speech. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... I, there's only so much on board I can be with this, because they there's no nuance in it, and there's no...
1: Also, I don't even think it's really trying to explore anything.
2: No. Yeah, so, um, I don't hate... The take's fine, I gave it five points, but it's like... Do a better job, but I guess that's execution. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I also had, what are the rights of parents and children the good version of this is something about the creeping power of the state but it doesn't really get there it, it it just we focus too much on data whether he's fit to be a parent or whatever it's like it's something that i guess is worth exploring but the fact that i couldn't summarize it with any more specificity like isn't a great sign yeah, I agree. It was something about parents and children and their rights, but I don't know what. And the crux of the episode seems to be Data and Lol and Picard versus this admiral, and he sucks from the start. And like you said, it's not like anyone—it would be sort of an interesting one-off episode if they ran into a race of people who were treated their kids real bad, or if there was a junkie on Enterprise, which would never happen. But Right. And then like, oh, well, what are we going to do about this person having a kid? I don't know. But none of that stuff
2: happens. So it was a four for me. Uh, Uh, Ben's got it as a five. He says he wanted it to be about fatherhood, but it wasn't quite that. So he thought it was a rehash of Measure of a Man. Uh, I will say that they do way too much Measure of a Man work in this.
1: Yeah, at first it's weird how much they're not talking about that trial. And then it
2: turns back around and then they talk about it. And it's like... But at that point, it should be like, so why are we even having this conversation? Yeah. Like, there is no. At the at the point where he orders him to turn over his daughter, mm-hmm. it should be like, well, you know, you can't give him that order. Yeah, we already did. You know, he can this. resign. We've covered this.
1: Yeah, in fact, at one point, the guy even goes,
2: <laughs>
1: Picard says it to him, and he goes, yeah, but still. Like, he says, <laughs> yes. he says, I acknowledge that, but. And then he just says, but I really want that fucking android. That's why I kept saying that. Because it's like it seems like the guy doesn't have an argument. He just fucking has got to get his hands <laughs> Listen, on that gonna android. Listen, we're going to make
2: Killbots. Yeah. And I want to make Killbots.
1: <laughs> we're so close to making killer robots. I can feel it. This is a huge step to killer robots. And i got to put my hands on that android.
2: <laughs> How many points did you give I want to feel it. For a take.
1: Um, oh, I had given it a four. Okay. Okay. Uh, flipping it around, Ben gave it a a, a, a 7 on execution. Yeah. I don't know if that was going to set off an alarm. I guess we decided not to do that, right?
2: Uh, he didn't give it... uh, There's two episodes we don't have notes on, so I'm not going to play the pick of the week thing. Uh, This is the... Of the three that he scored, this is the one he scored highest, but... Yeah,
1: um, he says, Picard's trying so hard to make the very good point that making a life is not the same as parenting. It's so importantly different. No reason given for laws, choice, in species, and gender... That's probably just what Troy said. I like her. Um, <laughs> I guess Lol did sort of latch on to Troy. The orientation phase in the apartment is stupid. Didn't he download all his brain into hers? Yeah,
2: he shouldn't have to teach her what a chair is. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. that's what the, I was thinking that, too. Like, she's like, the flower smell when she
2: smells the flowers. Yeah, sure. Um, but here, But here's the thing. Like. That's fucking data to a T.
1: Yep. He doesn't understand anything. Like, it's just
2: gumshoe with data, but it's the same shit.
1: Um, he says it could have gone awry in a lot of ways, but that actress carried it off. Uh, it's a little off because they don't lay out any new ground for why Starfleet can order all the way to be studied. Yeah, they do not. Um... Uh, Let's see. Law's death scene is pretty well done and one of the few parts that was probably superior in some ways to measure of a man. I guess it's implied that Picard gets off scot-free for that insubordination, supposing that the Admiral was so impressed by Data's devoted attempts to fix Law that he changed his mind. Yeah, there's a real last second, like,
2: maybe he's not so bad. It is. uh, We've talked about this before, about Picard being connected. Mm Mm-hmm. Picard definitely tells Data to belay an order from a vice admiral yeah. and says he'll take it to Starfleet himself, yeah. which is a strong a strong yeah. implication that he feels connected within Starfleet. Dude, that is like,
1: such a flex.
2: Oh, he he for sure flexes on, he
1: on uh flexes on Admiral Dickwad so listen, hard.
2: This guy's an admiral, but his bailiwick is whatever the fuck Galor <laughs> Four is. Yeah,
1: some kind of scientific outpost, I guess.
2: Picard is the captain of the flagship and he has enormous latitude. Uh and he's and got also... somebody's
1: named uh JP Hansen and what's the name? Admiral Quinn?
2: Yeah, he can you know he can call up Quinn.
1: It's like he's got the real the real admirals are in his role that,
2: that fucking Vulcan Admiral probably even likes him. Oh,
1: Probably. But he hates he doesn't him.
2: care about when he won the Academy Marathon or whatever, but he likes him. <laughs> That's right.
1: But he hates Wesley Crutch. Uh Wesley
2: Nakamura Crutch. he can call Oh sure.
1: Uh, Although, Kenny, I don't know if we can trust Nakamura. He's the reason Maddox was there in the first place.
2: Yeah, but know. he recused himself from that whole thing. Uh, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, he wasn't around the rest of the episode, is that what you mean. <laughs> I think he runs
2: away. So he owes Picard one. That's true.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I first thought this was going to be about the responsibilities of creating life, too. Like, that was going to be what we were talking about. And then I thought it was going to be about whether the desire to be a parent is selfish. Like, Data created this girl so he can experience this part of the human experience, and then it's a real shitstorm for everybody, and then the daughter eats it too. Uh Uh-huh. But it became clear this was about the power of the state versus the rights of the parent and the child. Unfortunately, I don't think we landed anywhere other than don't try to take my kids away, so I'm not sure it really executed on that.
2: How about as TV?
1: Um... It's pretty depressing that the Federation has so many shipbirds running the show.
2: It really is. Well, listen, if there's one thing Star Trek writers hate more than scientists, it's admirals.
1: <laughs> I mean, people think of Star Trek as like a hopeful version of the future, but all we see throughout TOS and all the subsequent shows is a bunch of real idiot ding dongs running the show and fucking everything up, just like real life. It's not yeah. hopeful at all. Like this admiral sucks, bro. And why is this everybody we meet?
2: <laughs> It is true. I'm sick of these clowns in Congress. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right!
2: <laughs>
1: yeah! Uh, ben was right on when he said lol is the best part of this episode. Like, it's all very cheesy and sci fi but this actress does actually do a pretty good job.
2: She does, and I want to say this, it's not... I mean, it is... She, you're right, she, she nails this one. Uh, I always think of her as... Uh, being Lilith from Fraser, (laughs) but it's not she just has Lilith vibes Uh, but in all of the slapstick scenes not just her but everybody plays it dead straight yeah and I think that's why it works like no one winks at the camera at any point in this episode
1: the uh, urgency she shows when she sees something new is still funny to me and her misunderstandings of things are funny to me and then that makes me go why is Spiner never funny he can't not do it. Like, I'm so confused. We get one episode with this android, and I'm like, this android's pretty funny. This is making me laugh. And we yeah, get 176 data, data episodes, and they all suck. Yeah. It's, it's very <laughs> unfortunate.
2: Uh, it is it is for sure that she is the best android we ever see portrayed.
1: <laughs> it's just a five for me. Yeah, it wasn't as high on it as Ben.
2: She's got the line... He's biting that female, Mm -hmm. and she fucking nails it.
1: It's the urgency. She actually has, like, a real urgency, like, something wild is happening right now.
2: Like, can you believe this shit? What what did you give it, a five? I give
1: it a five. Like, when she leans into that flower and she goes, smell! She's, like, hella urgent about it. Yep. Instead of cocking her head to the side and going,
2: hmm, gumshoe. What's that, though? Yeah, exactly. I don't get it. So... um, Okay, so there, like we talked about, there's a lot of slapstick in Act Two of this yeah, uh, program, The whole montage um, sequence. But also, like we said, I liked it. Everybody played it straight, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's wild and it's bad that most of this, the threat in this episode comes from something that should have been settled in Measure of a Man. Yeah, and Law gets some incredible stinkers of lines to say especially at the end when she's dying yep having said all of that uh we get some good speeches and lots of discussions about rights and responsibilities Mm -hmm. and it is a small story yes and i like all of that yeah
1: the neutral zone i don't think is mentioned though romulans are Sure. When that guy gets yeah, his the, dumb hypothetical as, as
2: usual they're a vague hypothetical threat yes. What if the Romulans got a whole a, a random shot from some Romulan Took out both
1: androids They or whatever, fear the right? Romulans so much Do you suppose we're ever going to find out They only got six ships or something
2: but Listen it <laughs> must be that way They lost that war so badly That they disappeared for a hundred years That the neutral zone is a light year from their home And <laughs> they have not been seen For a hundred years <laughs> When we see Tomaloc two or three times, yeah. it's because they've only got two ships, and he's actually in command of Tay's old ship right now.
1: That's right, exactly. Tay got fucking busted back for something. He got reduced two steps in rank for something.
2: Right. Um, the gender politics are a little bit outdated. Mm. Although, apparently, uh, Gene Roddenberry wanted to put same-sex couples in this as well. well he also wanted an, an orgy, a- but... Was not allowed to. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, and Whoopi Goldberg insisted they change some of her dialogue because they literally had her telling Law when a man loves a woman at some point, no, and no, she at no. least made that gender neutral. Okay. So they were trying, and they just didn't anticipate... Shifts in how, society. ...how gender identity would change in 30 years, right? So mm-hmm. when they do the stuff like... I. Uh, when law doesn't have a gender yet. And she says she's inadequate. Yep. <laughs> they just, they just weren't forward thinking enough on that. It was not, it's not so bad. Uh, I actually gave it seven. I thought the episode mostly works, frankly. Oh, wow. It's okay. uh, the things I'm mad about. I'm really mad about. Yeah. But, um, in my brain, I remember her missing that ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, oh god, that fucking episode. <laughs> yeah. And then to watch it and you're like, oh, it's not that bad. No. Yeah. Oh, they did it they did actually did this one pretty okay.
1: Most of the time our critical eye only reveals bad things. Yeah. Occasionally we're like
2: Oh, that wasn't that wasn't as bad as I remembered. Oh yeah. Huh. Um World Building. Yeah. Uh Ben gave it a four. Let's see. Yeah. The main, the main idea here is, uh, data getting to run these experiments, and then then Picard being mad about him. Although, like, what did Picard think was gonna happen? Oh, in there? this
1: is as usual. If Picard is mad, he has to deal with all this. Yeah, as usual. Like that's uh, clear. He's what data, is, what is
2: emotions, happening. and so on. Uh, he's he's a four on world building. I am the standard 3 okay. because this does this goes so far to undo some good world building earlier in the show. <laughs> yep. Uh, apparently contractions are a variation at the quantum level? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Because they said there's some variations at the quantum level between her pathways and his and then he immediately says she can use contractions for instance. Yeah. And that's extremely dumb. Uh, memory transfers, misuse of priority one channels. <laughs> Picard feels like he has enough pull to fight and win against this vice admiral. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then of course data potentially creating life. Although boy, doesn't it seem like he's never going to do it again?
1: Well, it didn't go that well.
2: Yeah. It was a real uh, problem for
1: everybody. And then the thing died.
2: Ended up being the standard three. I think they were shooting for more and they did bad, frankly.
1: Yeah, I uh, I had it as a three, I could see four. Like, um, sub-micron matrix transfer technology allowing Data to transfer his database onto LoL. Some facility at Galar 4 that this Admiral thinks will be the right place to raise an android. Is 10 Forward a biker bar? Everyone in this episode talks about it like some wild shit happens there. I mean, unless Sarek is around, shit's usually pretty chill.
2: Uh, honestly... It's like uh, there's 3D chess on the tables most of the time, <laughs> yeah. and the alcohol's not real.
1: Like sometimes they bust out stratagema if it's a real event, but like, I don't but think it gets crazy in there.
2: Guinan has a fucking huge gold-plated phaser rifle back there. And she says to the Admiral and that when people don't
1: behave themselves, she escorts them out.
2: And apparently people hook up there all the time. And the
1: guy's like, this is not the kind of place where you... This is not what I would call a great fucking behavior to observe and you're like what is happening at 10 forward Are they all wearing these bad pajamas and just sitting there eating sundays.
2: yeah it really doesn't seem that bad I'm
1: so confused by it like everyone agrees that 10 forward is kind of a wild place drinking their prune juice and shit um there's a starbase on otar 2 the main thing here is data cracking something that only soong had done and since no one has had the ability to study data I guess no one has made a lot of progress since then
2: Although Data is able to do this because of progress other people are making. Yes. He goes the to that conference is,
1: and comes back and like, ah, oh, I got this.
2: The impression is definitely that people are catching up mm-hmm. and he's ahead of them because he has the model. Yeah. Exactly right. To 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 reverse engineer, right? So like I think the idea is both that humans are getting closer and also we keep seeing this with Maddox and now with this Admiral. That humans are trying to achieve this and they're preparing for the day when they do achieve it. Yeah,
1: some people are desperate. Like yeah. Maddox was, he made it his life's work and was fucking crushed when he didn't win that, that fucking trial. And then uh, this Admiral is fucking. He wants honeycombs. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you understand what I'm saying.
2: I do know what you mean.
1: He wants, he wants this android as much as that Lethian wanted that biomimetic gel. Like, he was oh, going to yeah. go rustle Ball around. going right up his nose, for sure. He's going to go rustle around in the doctor's office to see if Data's android was hiding under a pad or something.
2: Ah, uh, she's up in the ceiling. You're never going to yes, find he's her. Gonna
1: walk he's going to walk right under her. It's fucking sly, dude. Data's got a huge lab. Is anyone else allowed to work there? That's actually a good question, Ben. What,
2: what's the fuck, What's the fucking point of putting her up in the ceiling?
1: <laughs> now she's gone. You'll never find What her.
2: happens up there? Is that where she gets charged?
1: <laughs> That's right. She puts it right into her port. <laughs> uh, I put her in backwards. Hold on. <sighs> Damn it. This always happens. Why don't they design these things w- better?
2: Wait, that way wasn't right either? Let me turn around I'm again. Sure I- Why does it work this time? Do I do have to do
1: it five times every time. <laughs> um. So just the three for me as well. Uh, characterization, though. Riker's absence is explained only as personal leave.
2: Yeah, but don't worry. The minute he shows up, he hits on a new bartender. (laughs) That's
1: right. Wesley. This is
2: not like, yes, she plants one on him right away, but he immediately flirts with her. He
1: knows who to go to. He's like, this lady's not in the same fucking checkered pajamas. I'm going after this one. I've tried all these other chicks. Um, Wesley has tried to enter Data's lab without permission.
2: Oh, yeah. Fucking sneak. That's true.
1: Jordy catches him in the beginning. He's like, plus the lab's always locked. And he's like, now how would you know that? Uh, Troy is mad that it doesn't look like a human. When she first sees That's it. That's true. I don't know why she cares so much. She also thinks that if this robot looks like an Andorian or a Klingon, it'll have trouble socializing. So much for the
2: evolved yeah, 24th century. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah Pic- Troy's not on top of that.
1: Picard has already forgotten his big trial and says that lol is just an invention. Yeah, yeah. He is also very cross with Data for not consulting him. Lots of good small-touch acting. Pat Stu, when he's first grilling Data about this, he, like, he seems genuinely worried about Data and Lol, and then, like, when he just shuts down and puts his hands on his head for a minute. Because <laughs> Data's too fucking dumb to understand what he's talking about. Yep. Later, he's willing to tell this admiral to shove it to protect Data and Lol, so I guess he fully comes around throughout this episode.
2: Yes. <clears throat>
1: um Data is really dumb for real. Like he can't fathom what anybody is excited or concerned about in this episode. He's either choosing to be ignorant or his programming like really sucks eggs. Cause he's just like, I don't understand. I just made a daughter, just like you guys do every day's the same, but it's literally identical. It's like, oh, well, right. everybody
2: everybody knows Soong was a hardware guy. <laughs> he true. built that fucking he built that fucking crazy brain you're, and you can't do shit without that brain you're
1: not kidding
2: like it's and true and Data's Data's like hella strong and great at sex yes, yes. But, he's boned out but the programming is a real fucking nightmare it's a
1: fucking minefield it's a fucking to, it's the Final the Fantasy 7
2: translation he can't even upgrade him to give him emotions without j- ram jamming <laughs> a chip into his brain a chip
1: that's comically large ugh Anyway, um, Data tells Lol, and he seems to have programmed it into it as well, that it has to choose a gender or it's just a big (laughs) big fucking failure. Now, again, in the early 90s, that tracks. Um, I actually thought Data did do a couple of dumb comedic faces in this episode. He was actually the only Um, one who didn't play it straight.
2: He does them every episode, but... Even in this one, it's less than usual, frankly. Like, I always think of the one where he Jordy's getting electrocuted and he throws him, and then he goes, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I don't even want to talk about how wild and dumb it is that data can't use contractions or the fact that he definitely can use them. I want to talk about neither of those things.
2: It, it, and it but it's always so crazy when someone fucking seizes on it just uh, contraction, like when Law uses a contraction and is like, wait, what the fuck? It's just
1: like, he's learned so many things. Yeah. He's learned and gr- we're supposed to believe grown just so much since he was turned on however many years ago.
2: Like, what's the fucking deal? Is it that he can't tell when a situation is casual? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Why would he be incapable? Why?
1: Under what circumstance would that be a thing that he would he wouldn't be able to fucking breach that barrier
2: of using contractions? <sighs> and it's like, when Picard's giving a speech, he doesn't use contractions.
1: All of the other things that we are told that he can't do, except forget emotion. Well, he eventually gets an emotions chip, but I'm just saying, like, I can't lie. We see him lie a million times. He, like, learns how to do it. There are big episodes where he tells lies, and it's a big deal. Like, I can't, I'm I'm programmed not to kill. And we just see him fucking, one, we see him ice people all the time, but there are specific episodes where he, where he like, he overcomes that. He, ex- he explicitly overcomes that, like in the one with Kivas Fajo, where they had to turn off his phaser in Transport. Yep. And it's a he big was, deal.
2: He was cold murdering that guy. It's a big deal because he's programmed not to kill. Like I I really have always liked that episode, even though it's a data episode, because I think Kivas Fajo is great. Yeah. Uh, we'll see when we get to it, how that one goes. So the
1: fact that he is like, nah, it's a str- hard stop. I cannot do contractions. Cannot. I cannot do it. <laughs> I don't understand that. It's so wild that that's in the show. Anyway,
2: it was a big mistake. It was a mistake from very early on because a it, it doesn't make any sense fundamentally. Yeah,
1: why does I and don't understand? B
2: it re- it means that your writers can never write a contraction for him. <laughs> and they and fuck they up. Can't do. It.
1: Yep, like, that's impossible. And why for
2: them. would they be able to do it most of the time when you're writing dialogue? Yeah. You're trying to write naturalistic dialogue. Sometimes a contraction is going to fucking slip into data and then Spiner's just going to say it because he's Ron Burgundy out there.
1: I bet there are times when he says it when they've written it the other way, just because it is natural,
2: like it's natural
1: to use contractions. I'm sure there are times where it's written without a contraction and he just says can't or whatever, just because he's he's fucking on the spot trying to remember his damn words. Yeah. Anyway, um, data is the hardest part of characterization in this show in general, because we're told he has no emotions. And that makes it very hard to examine anything that happens to him, because is there going to be any kind of character growth if you cannot feel anything? But some of these scenes in this episode were actually kind of affecting for once. And so I gave it points for that. Uh, Crusher has some parenting advice for Data and explicitly states she thinks Data has emotions. Boom. Um, Yes. (laughs) Gynen is so observant; she catches that contraction even before Data does.
2: <laughs> it's true.
1: Like the instant she's like, "I've programmed." She just had
2: a weird time sense about it.
1: <laughs> she's like, "No, no, 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 no! What did you just fucking say?"
2: No, no, hang on. Um, for me, it was actually a seven. Um, I'm sort of I'm so I well we'll see. Uh, in this episode Haftel comes in and he's a crazy villain Mm. and we see him sort of get redeemed at the end but it's too fast and it doesn't work but we actually get to see the 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 growth the coming around on this from Picard instead right because he starts off in just an awful mood about this whole thing again I
1: can only assume he's like I cannot fucking believe what I'm about to have to deal with
2: and he he definitely comes around on the issue yeah Uh, I thought this is uh weirdly one of data's better emotionless performances Mm -hmm. and uh he he mostly keeps a straight face despite some pretty wild acting by lol (laughs)
0: yeah
2: like she turns to him at one point and lets a bunch of kool-aid fall out of her mouth (laughs) and he keeps it together it's pretty good too. (laughs) it is pretty good why where did that actress go it is a. It's a. She was too good for this show. Yeah, is what happened. Like I don't know what happened to her after this because I assume if she had normal looking hair, I wouldn't recognize. Oh, her. Oh no, for sure. Yeah, we would not. If she didn't have uh, awful bangs, an awful um,
1: '90s bowl cut or whatever. But, uh, but like,
2: if she had, if she, if she had been on this show, we could have gotten rid of data. Like they were just, gonna, <laughs> well, we just don't need him. Wouldn't that have been like, so
1: good? It's too bad he's the greatest actor any of them have ever witnessed.
2: Like if every fifth episode she just screams soft, <laughs> right. he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm into this." Um, hey, record just beat a rape and murder rap, and he is aggressively flirting with a this bartender.
1: Dude, never fucking learns.
2: That's a fucking bad
1: look. And again, he was on vacation. What was he up to? We know what he's like.
2: A personal leave is all we're told. Yeah. He was getting warts phasered off or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I hope they phaser the him off.
2: <laughs> Listen, th- we've seen people be pretty precise with those phasers when they need to cut a hole in something. Oh, for sure. Uh, I gave it a five Okay, for characterization. I believe
1: that is what Ben gave it as well. He says, Troy quips at Picard that he's never been a parent, so can't understand the relationship. Uh, He was going to say that Troy doesn't know either, but... Wait, she did have a THE CHILD. Uh, LOL clearly has feelings and has Data's whole brain mapped, so ipso facto Data has feelings. I agree entirely. This is a lot of proof in this episode that Data has emotions. Classic dad moment when Data is clearly warning off Riker from his daughter. Picard's willing to go out on a limb for Data and LOL. About quick ones.
2: Well, you know I've got some. Yeah because uh, this is a, this is a fun little episode for sure. Mm-hmm. Um Troy looks fucking terrified to see Data holding that foot. <laughs> Does she assume he ripped that off a living person?
1: It's the Data, you can never tell, man. It's might be one of those weeks where his programming's messed up.
2: I kind of liked um Wesley mouthing father at either Troy or Jordy. I couldn't tell from the eyeline who he was looking at when he did that. Yeah. When- when data said father, uh, can we have more naturalistic Wesley? I know we talk about it every single, we, they week. say you're from Novacron, Novakron. <laughs> uh, so I like when Wesley's a person.
1: Um, it's rare. I don't know if it's just the bad lines and he can't get up for him or what, but his delivery sometimes is awful.
2: I turned around on this data Picard interaction a couple of times. At first I said, data's got a real good point. Picard. Mm-hmm. Why would he have consulted you first? But also, what did you think he was up to when you gave him a two-story cybernetics lab ah, to play around in? That's what I'm
1: saying. How does he get that thing to himself that he locks all the time so no one can go in it?
2: Like, what, what did anyone think was happening in there?
1: Also, we've talked about it many times. Data should be shut off and locked in a closet. Like, why are you giving him this lab?
2: <laughs> that's a very good point. Uh, you've never been a parent," says Troy, who was a parent for a very hectic thirty hours last last season.
1: Yeah, but that kid burned his finger on some soup, so she's had all the experiences.
2: And then I said, uh, "I mean, Picard is a hundred percent wrong on this one, but it feels like, still feels like Data is being deliberately obtuse.
1: Absolutely, pretending he did not understand what the problem was.
2: <laughs> uh, whoops! If you don't have a gender, you are inadequate." The 1990s is showing through here. Um, hey, hey, Data, if gender is in sexuality level two, Ooh. what the hell is in level one? Yeah, what's more basic than gender, right? What, is you, what do you start with? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, when a man and a woman. Yeah. I guess if I had only met Geordi, Troy, Wesley, Data, and Picard, I'd probably say, I'll just look like Troy then. All these other ones give off real sad vibes. <laughs>
1: yeah that's a good point I choose your gender and appearance yeah I am Barash
2: I like her says Troy she has awful bangs and I have self-esteem issues that make me want to hang out with women I consider less attractive I thought the same thing
1: she probably had like some bombshells on there she's very glad it did not narrow down the list too
2: listen she got Nagilum dunked on her real bad so
1: it ruined her confidence forever yeah yeah, yeah, I've She's seen all playing. these before. What are all these? But what is that one over there? What do you call that one? No, no, no. Not that. Not the one with the low-cut dress. The one with the afro. What is it?
2: <laughs> A woman,
1: you say? Now that's interesting.
2: <laughs> hey, lol, screaming the word soft when she sat on the couch uh, <laughs> is the biggest laugh this project has given me <laughs> so far. Yeah. There's been some wild shit, uh, mostly in TOS also i welcome this huge one but uh the horse laugh there's been some good ones but lol just sitting on the couch and going soft uh i i laughed out loud uh and i really enjoyed that so okay can you explain to me matthew what happened here with wesley did the barber call his mom when he didn't show up or does she go to all his haircuts and insist on his nice boy hair? For sure. He wants to get a cool Klingon
1: haircut, but she's not going to have ah. any of that. She already banned their music from their quarters.
2: She calls him. Yeah, I know this didn't come up, but she calls him and says he's late. for. He's supposed to be getting a haircut right now. Uh-huh. And then he, this is a, uh, but we're back to bad Wesley. We've forgotten about naturalistic Wesley because he turns to everyone on the way out and goes, parents. Ugh. Uh, that's a real that's a real clunker. What he should say is an execution point.
1: Fucking moth the barber, fucking selling me out every fucking day. Every time I don't show up for my haircut on time, he calls my yeah. mom.
2: Yeah, was well, like, how would she know that he didn't go with his haircut? Yep, it's wild. Um, hey data, you can't just shut your daughter down because her questions are annoying. <laughs> He just reaches around and hits her off switch. I
1: mean, I know parents sometimes put their kid down in front of the TV or like try to put him down for a nap just to get some fucking peace. And I get that, but it's a little different than just being like, click. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Uh
2: I would have loved it if Wesley came busting in after Lol said I've shouting, It's Lore <laughs> Captain, I know you don't want to hear this. Now, since my since I'm finished as an ensign anyway, <laughs> Um hey uh hey Riker did have intentions yeah, he did. toward Data's daughter. He just didn't know it was Data's daughter.
1: That's why he doesn't even dispute it. He just goes, "Why oh, daughter?" I... Oh. And then he like does that thing where he pulls his shirt down, you know, the thing he does. uh uh-huh. Pulls his jacket down and then he fucking walks out of there as fast as he can. Yep. He knows what he did.
2: Oh, he also knows Data's a loose cannon. <laughs> hey, um How hard do you think Brent Spiner lobbied to lose the yellow makeup after this episode? He's like, we've already
1: proven I can make an android. Hey,
2: hey, in that last episode, I said I managed to give her more realistic skin and eye pigmentation. So
1: can I just be me now?
2: How about just the contacts?
1: I'm I'm glad they resisted that because that feels like you're starting to loosen the reins on Spiner. If you start yeah, to let him that's show true. You up, you don't
2: want you don't want to loosen the you don't want to loosen the reins on Spidey. No,
1: starts to show up with his real fucking skin color and eye color. Pretty soon he's just going to be fucking slapsticking around the bridge.
2: Yeah, and then finally Law says what every parent wants to hear: "Thank you for my life." <laughs> well, she's not so good with the thoughts yet. Well, also that is when her she is falling apart. Yeah. Um, I gave Best Actor to Data. Listen, if I'm not going to reward him when he doesn't shit the bed, then I shouldn't get to complain when he does. Okay. So, worst actor, uh, Halftel. Maybe it's not fair, but he's such a mustache twirler. Oh my god, it's bad in this one. That it's like it's impossible. He the the writing and the acting make it impossible to even see this guy's point of view. If I can just get this android back to
1: Galar four. I'll finally have what I need to complete the doomsday weapon.
2: <laughs> uh, but I know you must also have quick hitters.
1: Was Data this dumb when he woke up the first time? Just like putting his face into everything and being like, smell! Because I don't... Oh,
2: listen, he was dumb enough to believe that he didn't have emotions. So it's <laughs> true. He was hoodwinked.
1: Uh, I, my favorite lol moment was claiming to have somehow mastered humor without understanding it. It yep. still made me laugh how proud she looked. Yep. Um I mean we've talked about so much of this stuff already. After talking with this admiral for 10 minutes, how could Picard leave him in a room with those two androids
2: by himself? Oh yeah, it's a real good question. He's
1: like, "Oh, I will assist commander on this surgery on your daughter's brain, but we'll need privacy for sure. Definitely you can't be in
2: here when we're doing it. <laughs> Don't nobody look or listen." And
1: then Picard and Troy just walk out. It's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa this guy is desperate to get these fucking androids he keeps calling them Andes, which is weird he's like i gotta get my Andes. <laughs> like don't leave him there but they do and then he comes out and he's like there was nothing we could do she couldn't be salvaged even her brain went missing it was odd no one knows <laughs> it was what very happened very we all asked what happened no one could see what happened so who knows
2: his listen his fingers were moving so fast <laughs> anyway
1: their <laughs> brain's just gone <laughs>
2: Anyway, do? I don't know where data went either, so <laughs> I'll be on my ship. Bye bye. Uh, what's that
1: big duffel bag? I carrying this? I had this when I got here. Don't try to make make noise about shit you don't
2: know about. Why is he humming like Zach? I got my Andes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. That's really plenty. Actually,
2: <laughs> we did fine. Well, the numbers are total. Okay. Um fifth place this week. No points for guessing it. It was Voyager. No! With, with real life. Listen, they had a nine-point improvement on last week. Still lost. They are... Still lost.
1: So fucking bad. We aren't keeping track of last place finishes, and we need to. Are we keeping track of that?
2: No. I uh, need to add another row, and that <laughs> fucked up the whole spreadsheet last time, so... <laughs> I'll, I've been real careful about I'll it. I'll just
1: count them every once in a while, then. But I, uh, my guess is uh, they are just far and away the leader in last places.
2: Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, their, their average uh, after this has now fallen to 25.44 points. Mm-hmm.
1: It's like all, it's almost 10 points behind TNG.
2: It's very nearly 10 points behind TNG. So, uh Considering we're pretty stingy with points, that's awful.
1: And once again, something they should be dominating in because of the setting of the show, they only got three points in world building.
2: Total three total points yep. from the two of us. <laughs> uh, fourth place. Uh, DS Nine. Not us. Kind of having a little bit of a slump here in the middle of this season. It
1: must know that it's gonna do something soon or something. Yeah, this, they're in real uh, filler territory.
2: Only twenty four points distant voices and uh, no split. We both gave them twelve. Yeah, uh, not great. Not great. They, I mean, they were close to finishing last this week. If if I, I, we were five points apart on real life, you had you gave them five more points than I did. Yeah. It would not have been hard to find three extra points in there somewhere if we'd been closer. Yeah,
1: real life wins. This DS nine was my least, my lowest score of the week. Right. Yeah.
2: Uh, third place this week with a basically average 29, mm-hmm. uh, Enterprise Chosen Realm. I was a few points ahead of you on this one, but not a, not a wide margin. Yeah, that Definitely difference was in not the premise. good world building, yeah. but premise is where I scored it high. One point ahead of that in second place this week, TOS for the world is hollow and I've touched the sky with exactly average, a 30 point score.
1: Oh, that's because of me. I, I, I gave it 17 whole points.
2: Yep, and the winner this week, uh, notching their 23rd win, TNG, The Offspring, 39 points, which is a little lower than the average win, but 39 is still still pretty good. I mean, honestly,
1: they got lucky. It was a bad week.
2: It It was yet another
1: bad week, so uh, sort of a decent episode from TNG was enough
2: so yeah 23 points uh, 23 wins now for TNG 17 for TOS 16 DS9 5 Enterprise 2 Voyager yeah next week we are watching the Tholian Web
1: Uh, that is at least one that I have heard of and sort of remember so that's something
2: yeah I think there's uh, spacesuits and weird aliens in it super
1: weird (laughs) aliens I cannot wait to see them (laughs)
2: Frankly, that risks not being about anything, but we'll find out. Yeah, uh, I feel like this may be an episode about sacrifice or something. I think one of the Kirk or Spock has to perform some feats of heroism to retrieve the other one. Something like that. Yeah. Uh. Sins of the Father. That's um, that's one
1: that I remember being good, and we will see if that gets the score that I remember it being worth.
2: It's it. maybe the... F- Well, this is—it's a hard call to make, but this is maybe the first real Klingon episode. We've had a Matter of Honor, and we've Um, had—well,
1: we had the one where um, Riker went to the Klingon ship. That this is like the second part of, right? Yeah.
2: Uh, Yeah, this is the return visit. Yeah, so. But this, this is where the Klingon stuff is not just about Worf's heritage. It gets personal for Worf in this one.
1: It gets personal, and we learn a lot about the Klingon Empire and how it works. Actually, this yeah. could be worth a lot. Who knows? I, I, in my memory, uh, it, this it is seems a quality like it's gonna
2: score. It seems like it's going to score world-building points, and I remember liking it. So. Yeah, just a, as we'll always,
1: see. it'll come down to whether it has a easy-to-understand take, really.
2: On the other hand... Deep Space Nine next week is Through the Looking Glass, a Mirror Universe
1: episode. God, DS9 hangs out there so often, I'm surprised we haven't had more already.
2: What is this, liked, two? Is this
1: number two for
2: them? I liked Intendant Kira last time. Oh, Sex Kira? And Sex Kira. Yeah. So we'll see.
1: Because she really turned it up. She went to like a fucking 15 on on well, Horny.
2: As we've said before, she is a stage actress, so <laughs> she tends to get big. Yeah,
1: she can't help it.
2: Uh voyager we're watching distant origin
1: um i just looked up what that one is about i remember it that might get take points so it's about okay uh it is definitely as the
2: one with the voth right it's
1: definitely a study of some science stuff and what our theories are and evolution and things like that
2: well listen they need any just anything yeah just anything anything
1: to get them through to the borg which we hope will be better but man
2: hope but i'm gonna frankly say don't expect yeah yeah and uh enterprise next week we're watching proving ground all right well i never know what the enterprise ones are about hold on i'm looking it up right now and this one oh it's a shran okay what's shran doing in the expanse find out next week
1: <laughs> um but that's two weeks away because next week yes. as always we're doing a mailbag
2: yeah, I just wanted to give a quick rundown since we're a little ahead of time on this one. Okay. Uh, next week is week sixty-four. Uh, the last TOS week is week seventy-nine. Ooh, okay. So um, that's around the corner. That's sort of uh, end of next, end of this year, early next year time. So week
1: eighty will be more than a nice round number. It'll f- it'll feel better. It'll yeah. there'll be a, an actual demonstrable improvement in my mood, probably.
2: That's right, and. Um, and then just another 17 weeks later at week 97 is the last enterprise. Oh, so man. um I know that 15 or even even more so 33 weeks is a long time <laughs> more in than a real year. life in this project <laughs> it's where that's more than a year out for sure but uh this is going to get shorter bear with us. Yeah. Um and you should yeah, start thinking about which
1: one you want to pick up for episode synopsis. Give it some thought. You got a lot of time to think about it, but
2: uh well TOS is going to be dropping off. Yeah. I'll probably just have to take Voyager off of your hands. I would not I wouldn't mind, but yeah. it's up to you.
1: <clears throat> uh yeah, but next week's a Mailbag, everybody. Unless you wanted to do were you doing more numbers? No. Okay. That's all the numbers um, I need to do. Send us mail. It's just nice. <laughs> I mean, we're going to read it. So I send mail to you. (laughs) You know? I mean, well, to be be fair, I occasionally send you a real letter, (laughs) but I I I G-chat you all the time. That is true. And I do send tweets to Murder We Pod.
2: That is true. So. Everybody, that's our, by the way, our podcast recommendation of the week is Murder We Pod. Yeah. Uh, Go listen to A guy who likes Murder, She Wrote way too much. (laughs) That's right, yep.
1: And Judah uh, plays along in a Ben Ben kind of way.
2: I am now the villain of that show, I
1: think. Yeah, they don't like how critical you are of the show, but I guess they haven't heard this show. (laughs) Exactly. Where we savage the writers, actors, producers, creators, showrunners, everyone involved with Star Trek. I guess except for the girl who played Lol. Everyone gets fucking destroyed here. But yeah, I guess they thought you were going to be way into mrs f and her adventures um so yeah check that out that's a good show um uh, yeah and send us mail that's at brother date on twitter go to bro- brother date.com to check out all of our shiz including these episodes um uh, brothers at brotherdate.com if you want to shoot us some mail um i don't know we're not doing any projects or anything maybe we should start thinking about another project you got time right you're not like busy <laughs>
2: I think we can probably squeeze another awful project we in that no one will engage it. with. Why not? I am to
1: think about another project. I will engage, and that's what matters.
2: Yep. Um, Listen, I've proposed the ultimate other project, and you just keep balking.
1: Does that have to do with Midnight Oil? What is it? No. A, an extra running Oh, a running show. Show. Uh, Yeah, we just have to figure out a schedule. I'm almost caught up, so I could start over again. God, yeah. that's insane.
2: And I would. I mean, I'd only have to watch, like... an episode every other
1: week i'm at episode 448 so so i could start over again and watch fucking 460 more episodes
2: why not yeah (laughs) speaking of projects where it's impossible for us to finish (laughs)
1: that would be so wild Uh, anyway uh, we'd be uh, like we're at episode 130 only 600 more to go (laughs) uh yeah so anyway uh we'll see maybe there'll be new projects we'll have to figure it out um Everybody, go and get those Andes. You gotta get those Andes. Get your handies on those Andes. It's
2: kind of a one-man coffin, so... You
1: can't, like, sit on the edge. though, Don't think it's gonna tip over. I'm, I'm, turning, into, I'm turning into Tom Paris. <laughs>